Hello and welcome to episode 212 of the Rand Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And I am Kevin. Wow, what a fun bunch we are. It sounds like we're wide awake, which is good because our episode title is... Look at that waveform. Wake me up. Look at how crazy Yeah, why are. is my waveform so high? Well, I know I have a nasally no, voice. No, that, that, but... that does have to do with our more baritone voices versus Jason's more nasally one. Like, is this the... a way of calling out to have an annoying voice even though I run the, the thing? Yeah, t- typically <laughs> your your kind like produces sharper waveforms. So My kind. Your kind. I see. I yeah. see. You, you sharp oh, okay. voice. Your kind. Well, let's let's yeah. let's get back to the matters at hand, which is the episode's called Wake Me Up, and it's called that because we're talking about Link's Awakening, as well as the fact that there's been... Really, for lack of a better term, an awakening with the Switch lineup. Did, like, did a, you come up with that name? Because he, I think it's he, a great name. That was all me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, on the other hand, God. That Ew, was him. Jesus. That was him. But Good job, uh, sir. thank you, thank you. I, it's almost like we did an earlier take of this where it went the opposite way, and then it somehow became this take. But anyway, yeah. So we're wow. talking about Link's Awakening as well as Just ruin the uh, magic. Uh huh. As well as where we were when we first heard that song. What? Do you remember where you were when where you first, I first heard Evanescence's, Evanescence's uh, Bring Me to Life? Daredevil. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I had that album, not going to lie. It was like Female Linkin Park, so I was like, oh. <sighs> Anyway, so yeah, we're talking about Evanescence, we're talking about Link's Awakening, where I did not, Uh, and then um, the other part of the name is that it was a quiet first half of the year for Switch, and then we started getting kind of stays, stream releases, but now September is like a wall, it's like the library really sort of woke up, if you will, so um, there's a lot of games, it's actually why this podcast is a day late, we have a bunch of impressions to share we have Zelda, obviously. We have Untitled Goose Game. We have Sinar Wild Hearts. And those are just games that came out within the first day. Or within one day of each other, I mean. Then on top of that, we have Angel uh, playing the Switch version of Cuphead. And we are checking out a truck racing simulator on Switch called uh, Truck Racing Championship. So there's a lot of games to talk about. And then there's the other side of the coin, too. Because if there's so many games coming out, how do devs, especially indies, stay in the conversation? Become the games that we talk about here on the show how to get noticed, that sort of thing. So we're going to dive into that too a little later, along with impressions of yet another game, which is Mario Kart Tour. Can I help you open your Sunny D? Is that what that is? Is that a Sunny D? <laughs> the spike. Yep. <laughs> the one sharp spike. I yeah. got it. You got it? You're yep. good? You're good? You're tasting the... What's their slogan? Taste the sunshine? I don't know. <laughs> taste the power of... Taste the power of the sun, right? No. No, that is it. But I'm wondering if it's other here. Yes, taste the power of the sun. Not taste the sunshine. No. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, for anyone that doesn't want to hear us talk about Sunny D, we have timestamps on the blog post mm, for this episode, thing. and we have, we have them under the video, um, so you know you can jump to a game you care yeah, about. Way better than the Texas one. The one thing I reckon, yes, well, Texas Sunny D, that was the, weird. Yeah, this also has like 19 grams of sugar. <laughs> That's why it tastes better. Uh, the one thing I was going to say is, anyone listening, stay till the very end of the show, because we have a contest we're going to announce, but you can win stuff. But anyway, let's start with games. Let's actually flip the script a little, because there's so many games it kind of makes place to start with what we've been playing because just, that's just the bulk of the episode. Whoa. So, well, I know, we're wild and crazy. Once you open that SNAD, just chaos. Uh, but yeah, what better place to start than an episode's namesake and discuss Evanescence, no, discuss uh, the Switch remake of Link's Awakening and Kevin, you and I both right, been playing it. I'll see it. you guys later. Yeah, good, good, <laughs> yeah. good chat, Angel. Uh, <laughs> um, but Kevin, you've been playing it, right? And yeah. this is a revisit for you. You played it before? Yeah, I played uh, Link's Awakening when it was released originally. I don't remember beating it, though, so... This is definitely, and not only that, but it just seems, it, this remake, it absolutely feels new to me, just because mm-hmm. I don't remember, like I said, I don't remember ever playing, well, I remember playing it, but not to, like, the extent of that I remember a Oracle Seasons, Oracle Oh, Avengers, sure, sure. 
So how's how are you liking it so far? I guess it is if it's fresh. I can't really ask you how. Yeah, to compare. like so far so good. It's a it's a it's a really charming game. Yeah, compared to I guess you know Breath of the Wild has its charm with its art style, but something about this one just just looks so adorable. Like yeah, the presentation really like that's I think the I haven't actually played the old Game Boy one, but obviously I've seen it before, and I think that yeah. the main differing factor, I mean, there's, you know, there's little quality of life improvements. You can mark the map now, and, like, yeah. you can skip the boss animation if you've already tried to beat them once, that's okay, but, like, the presentation's the thing, and it's so good. Yeah, I mean, just because of the art style, like, they're able to get away with pretty much making everything exactly how they envisioned it, Yeah. versus, like, Breath of the Wild where, like, yeah, like, some areas look pretty and stuff from far away, but, I mean, when you get close to stuff, because you can, like, you know, things start to look like the magic kind of falls apart a little bit in some cases. Sure, yeah. And also, yeah. some character designs also like don't mesh as well with others. I found like I don't know some characters were hit and miss in Breath of the Wild for me, but everything in Link's Awakening, just from what I've seen, obviously just looks really nice. Yeah, yeah it's just really it. it's like yeah, it's cohesive like across the entire game. And granted, I haven't gotten too far into it. I just haven't had time to play it. Yeah, but um, I don't know, just everything. It's just it's just a lovely game to look at, honestly. It really is. It's so cool. Like I, I mean, I feel like every time I go to a new area on the map, which you know, like a different environment or whatever, I start just re gushing over how good the like toy aesthetic is and that yeah. tilt shift and all that, and like the detail is so great too. Because like, did you notice the moblins have little belly buttons? Yes. Like it's like everything's so detailed, and like the music matches that really well. Like it's oh, orchestral, but it's all like toy like. Well. Yeah. Like I, I really like how they it's... did like traditional Zelda thing themes and songs. Like when you get an item. But instead of it being like a normal Zelda thing, it's like on a little toy xylophone or something. Yeah, like, it's, it's so great. I like so that charming. one song that was just like dogs and cats barking and meowing. <laughs> I forgot what town it is, but it's just made up of dogs and cats meowing and barking. It's like a track. You haven't encountered it yet? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like it, what? It, it's, like, <laughs> it, it's that main first town, I guess, where you find there's like yeah, a chain, there's like yeah. a chain shop in front yeah, yeah, of yeah. the house. Yeah, I've been to that town. It's the only town. Well, yeah, I guess really? that place has dogs and cats. They do have dogs and cats, and you can yeah. go up to them and go, to, and you go yip, yip, and things like that. But you can hit them, and they hit you back. That's oh. true, and you, and you can, of course, grab the, 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 chicken. the chicken. Is stealing from the salesman still just as intimidating? I haven't tried it because I'm an upstanding citizen. I died once. Oh. Well, that, there's a difference between us. Right well, I haven't tried it. I already died from it. Wait, not, that, not that I think it does. Did they well, call it's... you Steve for the rest of the game, though? Because I think that was a thing in the first one. Yeah. Oh, man. Actually, I don't remember. That would haunt me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I would not be okay with that. Yeah, it's like anytime your name pops up, it's just like, oh, hey, Thief. And yeah. Just, that's it. I, I will say, separate from the Thief thing, like the attention to detail with, like, you know, the cat and dog song or the, the, the butt, belly buttons or whatever, like... That attention to detail may actually be a fault in a way. Because I don't know about you, Kevin, but I, I've seen some serious frame rate dips. Yes. Serious I, slowdown. I don't get why Even this on game TV? has insane yeah. Yeah, frame rate drop. It it's, makes no sense. Considering that this is the same company that produced Breath of the Wild, which I don't ever remember really having I any significant... So Grezzo developed it, but Nintendo. Ninten yeah. It's a first party oh, game yeah, at the end yeah. of the day. Like if Nintendo yeah. says we don't want frame rate drops, they will ensure there aren't. It's almost like in a way, yeah. this one I feel is more graphically intense than Breath of the Wild because this one is so much more. I minute mean, they detail can patch that stuff. There was some parts of Breath of the Wild that had a lot of frame rate drops, and then later they just patched it and suddenly. Yeah, and I'm worked. sure they'll patch it here. It's just weird because first party games, excluding Breath of the Wild, usually don't 
have that. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of surprising. I guess my point is like this is a much, much, much smaller game than True. Breath of the Wild, yeah. and it has. I mean, it doesn't have to render issues. a whole world at once. Right? Yeah. It's that tilt shift blur. It takes a lot of work to blur the corners of the screen, I guess. No, but it, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of strange to see. It doesn't. It's not detrimental to the game. But no, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's surprising. That's very, it's a very small gripe that yeah. I, I I would say that I have with the game. Just the the frame rate drops, but that doesn't stop it from still being a pretty pretty good game. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really. I mean, that's just an overworld thing, like when you're in dungeons. Nope, it's whenever there's a bunch of enemies on screen, basically. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's more common on the overworld because you have more going on. But yeah, it can happen in dungeons. Um, but yeah, it it is just a good game. Like it's interesting because I, you know, I was saying before, I haven't actually played Link's Awakening ever. Never played the original. Never played the Game Boy Color DX one. Um, and now going into it first time, I didn't realize how different of a type of Zelda it it's is. It's a very weird Zelda yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, like, in terms of gameplay, it's actually exactly the type of 2D Zelda you'd expect when someone says the phrase 2D Zelda, like, almost to a T. Um, you know, you have dungeons, you need to collect items, you unlock new abilities, there's an overworld, you can go fishing, except it's all just, like, crammed down and, like, compressed into, like, this little pocket experience and super streamlined, so, like... If you want to go fishing, you just walk up to the house in town that has a lake and you just go fishing. You don't have to go find it or anything. Or, like, you know, within minutes of starting the game, it's already like, all right, there's eight items. You need a game. You beat the wind fish and you win. Just like, okay, there's no no real setup here. Just going. So you'd be able to confidently say, like, oh, yeah, this game, I'm definitely going to beat it. Yeah, I I think so. This reminds me a lot of A Link Between Worlds in terms of Before size. Before Luigi scope. comes out? Uh, I'm not making process because I still need to beat Mario World. But. I I I yeah, am confident. One more day. Listen, I'm confident I'll be able to. Are you past? I you am confident. We by the next. Did you tell me you were in World Three? By the ne- no, because I was playing five other games. Which is literally just two levels. But I was playing five other what? Your oh, World it is Three. Two. I haven't touched it since the last time we spoke. Because I was playing other games. <laughs> How else do I give impressions on this lovely yeah, show? Yeah. Um, but no, what I was gonna say is like, yeah, I think I would be uh, Link's Awakening because like everything, it's just very. Oh, the dungeons are close together. Worlds, the so. the dungeons themselves are compact. Like each room maybe scrolls two screens at most. Um, it's just super brisk paced, and I, I like that. Um, which I think, I think I'm coming to realization actually now that I'm saying this Uh-oh. and saying how I kind of like, you know, I like I like a link between worlds. It's very similar. Here I, I think I. I'm starting to prefer. Oh my god! You gonna hate what I'm gonna say? Do you know what I'm gonna say? I think I'm starting to prefer 2D Zeldas over 3D ones. Oh. Yes. Yeah, I, because I, like I prefer the 2D right? Zeldas because they check they check all the boxes that they both check the same boxes. Like, okay, wrong. Breath of the Wild is like super able, super cool, and it's able to achieve all sorts of incredible things that are like open world and whatnot. But I, I don't know. There's just something like the streamlineness, the kind of breeziness of Link's Awakening and. I don't think and I have Link a between worlds. I, I, I kind of like it. Because I feel like I like... I mean, Wind Waker is definitely my favorite 3D Zelda, and yeah. Minish Cap is my favorite 2D Zelda, and I kind of like them about the same. So. Yeah, Minish Cap is the best 2D Zelda. I have actually never played Minish Cap. I'm really bad at playing the handheld oh, ones. Now, here's oh the good news, guys. Well, it's on 3DS. If you beat this game and you like it... Go play Minish Cap. I mean, yeah, you have it. You're an ambassador, man, so it should be in your That's 3DS. That's a little redundant. <laughs> you ambassador, say ambassador. man. <laughs> I'm a superhero. All I do is greet people. It's my power. I show up and guide them to where they need to go. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I think I'm kind of realization. Like, don't get me wrong, like, Wind Waker's one of my favorite Zelda games. Breath of the Wild, like I was saying. I know. It, it, I'm glad Having I a preference doesn't it, mean you dislike the other yet. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, I'm starting to realize the ones that click with me are the Makes 2D sense. ones. I think it's because they're a little more structured, even though they're not, really. But well, they're, they're more compact. So. Play a Link to the Past and see if you still feel the same way. Yeah, because that's. Because that game is, like, yeah, but not. I know, uh, not at all. But Link yeah. to the Worlds is, which is why I like that one. Well, yeah, Four Swords they're is like, very this, structured. This and, brings these- 
Let's yeah. make these games simpler so that anyone could beat it. And Which they, is what I'm like, thank you, Nintendo. And it works. I clearly only have a few hours to play these things. I mean, so this is great. It got Jason to beat it. Mm-hmm. Mado was disappointed because, like, other people, he said it was way too easy and too short. Which game? Um, Link Which Between one? Worlds. Oh, okay. But that seems to be why I like it, so go figure. But what's interesting with um, Link's Awakening versus Link Between Worlds is, like, it's, I mean, we were kind of touching on this, like, the vibe is so different. It's very, very quirky. Like, even though it's delivering a traditional Zelda formula, I feel like it's also kind of undermining it, or at least being, like, super meta about it um, in a lot of different ways. Like, some of the writing, um, you know, they're playing into tropes of Zelda. Like, they, his sword shows up, and they're like, oh, it's your sword, your name's on it. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Or, like, he, you know, the kids in town, they're all giving you instructions on what to do with no, like, fake padding around it. It's just like, here's how to do this thing. I'm a kid, I don't know. And you're just like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. Like, those things like button, that. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Yeah, I'm just yeah, a kid. Yeah. Um, and, like, even the way the owl swoops in, he's like, okay. Here's the next piece of exposition I'm going to give you. Okay, now you're going over here. Like, it's all very, like, sort of self-aware. And I it it, it makes for a kind of, like, funny meta experience um, that then seems to escalate because they just start throwing in all the Nintendo references. Uh, like, there's a woman who has a dog, and she talks about how it has, like, fur and everything, but it's a it's a chain chomp, which is metal. Or, like, you know, you're, well, you're we're doing we're a dungeon. making assumptions. No, she literally talks about the dog's fur. It is metal. Have you not played any Mario game I ever? Yeah, but have you ever touched a chain chomp? We never really... I don't know. I've touched fake ones and they're plastic. If you have very <laughs> fine fur, that's just cut. I guess. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you that one. But, okay, how about this one? You're in a dungeon. You're crawling around. You go down a ladder. Suddenly you're in a 2D side-scroller with Goombas. Or, like, you're in a dungeon and suddenly there's a weird, like, slightly knockoff-looking Kirby hanging out. there was 2D out. stuff in Zelda 2. Yeah, but not with Goombas and platforming. Well, never not with Goombas. But... Or platforming. There's, like, actually, you actually jump on platforms and stuff. So it's just, it's just very, like different which is cool because in a way as someone who's like only experiencing it now 20 years removed it feels like this game was kind of i don't know if it was intentional but sort of set the template for how like nintendo would approach all direct zelda sequels the idea of like it's not just more of the same they always try and layer on something weird on top so in this case it's just the atmosphere but like you know you look at majora's mask and it's like oh we'll take players to another world like link's awakening and it will do something different in this case the time limit which is kind of like the shrinking down of the world on this one or like i don't know uh Spirit tracks following up Hourglass, uh, Phantom Hourglass. Like, hey, what if we get a game about trains? Which I, if you, if Nintendo announced, hey guys, here's the first Zelda for the DS. It's about trains. I feel like it wouldn't work. Like people wouldn't resonate with it quite as well as when they're like, okay, here's the foundation we laid with a traditional game. Now here's trains. And I feel like Link's Awakening kind of started that idea of like, here's the thing you're used to. Now here's something weird on top of it that we would not put as our first foot forward. But maybe I'm reading too much into it. I don't know. This is kind of the vibe mm, I got. Here's what you do best. So. Yep, a little. Um, and, and and obviously it does work very well. So I'm happy with it. Did you get to try chamber, chamber Dungeons at all, Kevin? Chamber Dungeons? So there's the, a, uh, the, the Build Your Own. The no, build your own. I, I haven't tried it out yet. Me neither, but it's... it's it's Conceptually, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, it's, I hear the execution isn't great. Yeah, that's what kind of bothers me. Like, for those who don't know, basically, as you go through the game, you get these individual tiles that represent rooms. Some have treasure chests, some have obstacles, et cetera, et cetera. And then you um, mix and match them to create your own dungeons or to meet certain challenges by arranging dungeons in certain orders. That's kind of the premise. And it really does feel conceptually like this is Zelda Maker, but not quite. And uh, that's apparently where the idea came from. I was reading an interview on IGN with... Um, Eiji uh, Anuma, the producer of Zelda, and he was saying that Miyamoto came to him as just like, "Hey, we want to make a Mario Maker style Zelda game," and they ended up selling on this because they thought the complexity of real Zelda puzzles and real Zelda dungeon- dungeons would be too much. So why don't we just shove it in the game where most of the game has single room dungeons anyway? Because it was made for Game Boy, 
and then that's kind of how this idea came to be. But the downside of this is you can't really, to your point about implementation, you can't really do anything with it from what I've gathered. Like, there's zero ways to share your dungeon once you make it. No. In, in an online sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can, can pass with, it to a friend. Amiibo. Yes, yeah, so you can pass it to a friend either on Amiibo or just by handing them a Switch. But there's no, like, it's on your file or it's on theirs with no real trace back to yours. Like, it's just very segmented. Feel like. Yeah, disconnected. And there's modifiers you can get to, like, kind of have creative control over dungeons, but not really. So, I don't know. I think, like, contrary to what they said, I think they could still do a full one. Like, it'd yeah, be cool. Yeah, I, I think this was just, like, the test run yeah, that's for I'm thinking. a full Zelda maker. Yeah, this is, like, how uh, Four Swords came with a link to the past on Game Boy Advance, and then they spun it off into Four Swords Adventures, and it was significantly more fleshed out and everything. Like, I imagine, ultimately, they could do that with this. But... But as it stands, it's just kind of a weird little quirky thing that no one's even bothering to try, at least out of us, <laughs> our two people that have played it. But, well, yeah, I, I really have no... I've never been the creative type to be like, oh, Yeah, kind of same. Let me make this awesome Mario level. Yeah. I'm usually the guy that's, like, checking out the cool levels, and the fact that for this, I gotta make it. And then not only that, but then I gotta dig up an amiibo and save it on there, and then bring it over to a friend's house? It's like, no, that's you, already too much for me. You could also go buy the super cool Link's Awakening Amiibo, but that also requires money and time and doing something. Yeah. Yes, It's a really nice Amiibo. It's very nice. It, go, it pairs well with the keychain from... Yeah. It pairs well with the keychain from uh, E3, mm. the little one. It's actually funny. I got... When I was in line to play the demo, where they then gave me the keychain, which I didn't know was a thing, I was pre-ordering the Amiibo in line. I was like three people back, and then I played a demo, and they hand me another one. I'm like... Oh, I didn't really need the amiibo, did I? I have him right That here. is hilarious. It wasn't that was like, funny. It was <laughs> thanks, thanks. You know what the best sign of a joke working is? Zero laughter and someone going, That's funny. That's hilarious. That's always how you know a joke lands. But anyway, no, so that's that's yeah, that's <laughs> that's you, uh Zelda. Oh. Yeah. Also, sixty dollars, too much for this game. How much would you pay? I'd pay forty dollars for this. I was gonna say it looks like a thirty nine ninety nine game. Hmm. I'm content with the sixty, but well, do I? well I'm, I'm, <laughs> I know I'm just saying me personally, but um, like I get why they charge that because the production value. But I see where you're coming from in terms of content amount. And yeah. Like. So yeah, so it I guess I guess I did forget the key part here. Would you recommend people check it out, or would you say? I guess it sounds like you're saying wait till it goes down. I'd yeah. say wait until it goes down in price. Same yeah. Nintendo games rarely go down in price. I mean, they do yeah, Black more, Friday yeah, sometimes. More so, they do yeah, definitely more now than before. But yes. So are you, Angel, would you end up getting it if it came down to 40 Or are you no, just not sure? Because you're more of a 3 ds Zelda guy, aren't you? No, or do you like that? I'm, I just kind of play whatever Zelda. Mm. just looks interesting. I mean, I plan on playing it, but maybe a couple years later? Know, there's too many games right now. On there are. Yeah. That's kind of the theme of the episode, isn't it? It's there's like, too it, many It, it could be pushed off. It could be pushed off. Uh, if there's a game I would want to play close to when it comes out, it's at least like Luigi's Mansion or Dragon Quest, which came out. On Friday. Yeah, last Friday. Yeah. Um... I will say in the in the zeitgeist, if you will, Link almost had his thunder stolen by a, another game, a goose. <laughs> like, have you? I feel like Untitled Goose Game went super viral over like that launch weekend, and now like K Rock was talking about it one morning, and like Chrissy Teigen's tweeting about it. Like currently this weekend, like it. it Blink One Eighty Two did a shout out. Blink One Eighty Two did a shout out. Yeah, it's it's uh, they did. Was it Mark Hoppus who did? It, it was Mark Hoppus. He's yeah, a pretty big the, uh, gamer guy. I guess they played TwitchCon. Oh really? Yeah, that's kind of strange. You know, it's my he. Or, okay, it's not funny. <laughs> um, there, I, I did see temper him, those expectations. He, yeah, everyone, <laughs> lower your expectations. I'm not comedian. No, but I did. I did see. You should have had none, but 
Yeah, but I, I did see. I can't remember. I think it's right before E three. Mark Hoppus was tweeting something like he was having lunch with his son, and his, he asked his son, "What do you think Nintendo's going to announce E three? And his son rambled for like the entire lunch, like forty straight minutes. Jeez. And I was like, "Oh, my kindred spirit." Mark Hoppus is my dad, I guess, because that, that's literally the yeah. exact same thing I would do. But granted, I'm not eight. That should be the name of a podcast. Mark Hoppus, Mark is, Hoppus my is my dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually. What would you talk about? I guess just Mark Hoppus being your, your dad. Yeah, we should have called it that. Oh, well. But anyway, Goose Game. I was getting to Goose Game. Um, I think I'm the only one of those three of us that has it and has played it. I've played it. You played a demo, right? At GEC. I mean, it was the full game, but I did stop playing at some point. What do you mean it's the full game? It wasn't out yet. Yeah, like, they had, they pretty much had the complete version of the game. Like, But I'm not going to pay for, like, two hours. Right, right. Well, okay, so you know how it works. Kevin, have I mean, you played be- it all? No, I haven't played it. I mean, it beat that whole garden section. Oh, that's just the first yeah. part. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, all right. So for to catch people up, here's the basic premise for those who don't know. You're a goose, and you ruined it. You honk things up. There we go. Literally and figuratively. Honk things up? Honk things up. You, uh, yeah, yeah. Just be glad I didn't call the episode that somehow or convince you guys we should call it that. But anyway, the game basically sends you, kind of like Angel's saying, through a series of areas. There's different obstacles to about, and you use your, like, goosey abilities of walling and grabbing and straight up honking and you basically need to complete different goals in each area um and it's the, the goose is pretty versatile he can do a lot he can like you think oh he just grabs and goes but you can, can actually like his neck yeah he can lift neck. and lower his neck he can grab things he can swim he can flap his wings to scare humans he can run faster but kind of like in a racing game there's a caveat of uh he turns wider if he runs uh you know little things like that uh and then you also have controls over the camera so you can actually zoom in to do little precise things or zoom out to kind of track where the humans are at any given moment and you use all this to try and solve the puzzles because at its core, what Goose Game really is, or sorry, Untitled Goose Game really is, is a puzzle game. Like, I, I don't know if you got this vibe when you were playing at GEC, Angel, but to me, the structure kind of reminded me of like Mario 64 or perhaps Mario Odyssey, where in those games, as anyone that's played them knows, you, re- you revisit the same self-contained area multiple times, but with a different objective each time. But this is made more like Odyssey, where they give you all the objectives at once. The level doesn't actually change. Like 64, it... Each time you go back, it's slightly tweaked to achieve what goal you need. Odyssey is just like, here's a small playground. Go do your thing. I mean, to me, here's this just felt objectives. like a real-time like, point-and-click game because it's just like, oh, just find a bunch of objects and just see what interacts with what. Like, you're, just seeing, like, you're just looking at all the interactions, basically. A little. I mean, it's a little more than that because you need – I mean, some is as simple as interacting with an object. You're right. Like, you know, there's a sprinkler. You turn it on. The guy's like, oh, my sprinkler. And turns it, it off. Yeah. But then there are others that are like actually you have like a series of events you need to achieve in order to cause – thing to work your way like some require being stealthy you know like uh you may need to set distractions with some objects in order to sneak something else past a human um the best of the bunch is you know when it sort of daisy chains all those together which is kind of what i'm getting at where you basically have a, a sandbox where you need everything to kind of work in tandem so it's kind of like an environmental puzzle i guess in a way it's like a point and click but structurally just the way they sort of jump dump you in there's like here's a list of things to do kind of just felt mario-ish to me but uh an example of how Daisy changes early on, I think actually you probably did this one, Angel, is um, convincing a groundskeeper to put on a sun hat. Mm-hmm. So in this one, like the hat's out of reach for you and your neck. So you can't just grab it and toss it on him. So instead, you have to do this kind of, not elaborate, but I'm, I'm not talking about ones later on because the whole game is puzzles. I don't want to spoil anything. But first one, I'll say. Um, so first thing you need to like, pluck a flower out of a garden. That gets him to kneel down to replant it. Then you snatch his hat off his head. And you need to technically go run it into a nearby lake and drop it in. But... He's a human. He can move faster than you. So if he starts chasing you, he can 
get his hat back. So what you need to then do is set up a distraction as you run off with the hat, which ends up being, in my case, it was throwing on the sprinkler because the human has a higher priority to turn off the sprinkler. And then the game nicely tells you what the higher priorities are because as soon as you do an action, the the human has a little speech bubble with an icon of what he's going to focus on at that given moment. And it's kind of like the domino effect of, okay, you do this to do this to do this, and you want to do that, and you do this other thing. And then eventually you get the hat to the lake, and he has no choice but to go put on his sun hat, and that's how you achieve it. So that's kind of like the flow of it. Um, and the thing is, like, even if he does catch you, because I was saying, you know, he, he'll catch up to you, and then what do you do? It doesn't – you don't die or anything. The, the only consequence in the game is him grabbing the hat back. There's no – literally no death. There's no high scores. There's no lives. There's no game overs. No failure screens. You just got to follow him back into the garden and give it another go. And, of course, now things are set up a little differently because it has the effects of what you just did. Um, and that's kind of one of the things I liked about the whole atmosphere of Untitled Goose Game is it's just you, a goose, being a jerk to humans in like kind of this pressure-free playground. And what really enhances that feeling that it's just you, a goose, being a jerk to humans is the presentation, the attention to detail. Like They have little things like whenever you're close to a human, you, your eyes and... The human's eyes will lock on, kind of like how Lynx did in, in Wind Waker, which, you know, it's a very small thing, but kind of nice touch. Or when you steal a radio and drop it face down on the ground, it'll actually play a muffled version of whatever the sound effect was. Like, they actually paid attention to those things. And it's all presented with, like, super clean graphics. There's no HUD whatsoever. Nothing's clearing it up. Um, and now on top of that, there's the soundtrack. And up until you engage with a human... It's basically ambient noise. There's birds, there's wind, there's cars, whatever. But once you do engage, the game has a dynamic soundtrack that essentially begins to mix in bits of piano from classic, uh, I assume it's pronounced Debussy because he's French, uh, pieces, like the classical composer. And it works surprisingly well to sort of amp up tension in the same sort of laid-back, chill way the rest of the game is presented. Because... um, well, actually, to back it up, I was reading an interview with the game's composer over on The Verge, and uh, we'll link to it in the blog post for anyone who's interested. But basically, the game has three different states of music. So there's silent ambient noise when nothing's going on. There's like a low-energy state that's sort of like the goose equivalent of the jaw strings coming in. Like as you're approaching, it kind of does that. And then there's what they call the chase state, which is when the human catches you and you're active your goosery, and that's when it like really ramps up. But what's cool is because it's all happening on the fly, it's all... Uh, pulling from multiple public domain to boost, say, uh, pieces or compositions or whatever you all call it. I think they said there were six preludes they had access to. But um, because it's doing all that, what that means is there's apparently 52,000 different musical combinations in the game, all based on these little riffs on piano. And as a player, since it's all reactive to what you do, it just presents kind of like a heightened experience in that sort of chill environment, which, you know, for a game about goose, that seems like a pretty cool extra thing to throw in, and it works really well. So that that kind of sums up the whole game, actually, is um, for a game about a goose, the amount of effort they put into everything, the puzzle design, the sandbox design, the attention to detail, it really goes above and beyond what you would think a game about a goose would do. Like, it's, it, they didn't just make a game where it's like, haha, I'm a goose. They made an entire, like, experience around it and a very good one at that. Um, or, you know, to put it another way, it's, it's, it's deserving of all that viral attention that's been getting. Did Goat Simulator come out on the Switch? It did. And see, that's why I thought Untitled Goose Pigeon Game Simulator? Might... I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, Maybe? Fun. Is that the one where you have to like, send the carrier pigeons off? No, you're just like playing as a pigeon, and you could like poop on people, but your poop can also explode. And you can also like carry people and well, just like, that, drop them in there. I'm just throwing this out there. That doesn't sound like much of a simulator to me. 
doesn't sound real. Well, it's as much of a simulator as Goat Simulator. I know. Was. That's what I'm about to say. Is I kind of was half expecting on Tau Goose Game to be a Goat Simulator. I mean, it's made by the same people. So. Oh, no wonder. Yeah. But yeah, I was kind of expecting it to be kind of like just, you know, oh, it's just wacky physics and you're a goat and you're like literally spinning through the air with ragdoll physics and stuff. But like Goose Game actually like, ha- it is grounded in reality somewhat. It's just kind yeah, of like this a, fun quirky it's a, it's thing. It's a puzzle game first. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a puzzle game about a goose opposed to a game where you play as a goose and then they're like, what do we do now? So that was kind of cool. Um, and I would recommend it. It's like, I mean, it's just, it's not particularly long. I haven't beaten it, but it's not particularly long from what I've heard. But it's uh, it's just kind of a charming little thing. Like, it's it, it's worth the attention, this game. How much is it? 15. Do you think this one's going to go under the... Yeah, Jason's going bit to beat this by the end of the year. Why is everything about me being games? <laughs> well, because, no, just because you mentioned it's a short game, so... Oh, uh, potentially. I mean, it's only a few hours. I mean, that's kind the of... The next game I'm going to talk about, I did beat, because it's even shorter. I mean, that's kind of the first thing in my head anytime you play any game. It's like, well, Jason beat this one. But me not being a game isn't necessarily indicative of the game being bad or good, because I don't beat anything, really. Which is why these aren't impressions. No, I but... know. Well, yeah. The few games I beat, yeah, there's few and far between. But this next one, I did beat... And I'm going to be honest, like, Goose Game may have the spotlight its release week. And as much as I love Goose Game for existing and being a very good game in its own right, I sort of saved the best for last, at least among the games I've been playing. And that game is Sayonara Wild, Sayonara Wild Hearts. Which, for me personally, this is the indie game to be at the moment. Um, it, game isn't exactly the right word for it. I mean, yes, it's a video game. But without trying to sound too much like a marketing tagline here, it, it really feels to me like an almost like an interactive concept album or like a new type of concept album where you're like playing it as it goes. And I mean, really what you're, what you're getting at the end of the day is a rhythm runner of sorts. So the whole game boils down to two actions. You're moving with the control stick to collect hearts on a road you go down uh, and you're hitting time button presses to perform actions. So quick time events. Um, but the different ways the game does this from camera angles, the activities you're doing in game, like it, it really offers a lot of variety, and it's really cool. Because, you know, you'll have the camera behind your back, then it becomes side-scrolling, then it's pointing backwards towards you as you run into the screen, then you go into first person, then there's suddenly a gun on your bike, then you have to, like, surf on top of your bike, then you're in, like, this weird, like, VR goggle thing. It, it, the list goes on and on. It's really cool. It's like nothing is repeated. It, it's really cool. And to, like, just give you an idea of how, like, creative it gets and how cool it is, there's one particularly uh, interesting level called Parallel Universe, in which there are two people... Each of them are snapping, so the music the, that song is snaps in it. And every time it snaps, the road you're on actually com- changes to a different road entirely. So you kind of think about the layouts of both roads and where the hearts are, and it keeps switching with the beat. And then they introduce a third layer on top of that, and soon you start to see patterns and layouts between each of the three views and kind of anticipate where I go next to the rhythm and everything. But it's just like it's a really cool approach to doing it. And that's why halfway through the game, it gets crazier from there. Like it, it's really cool, um, and it, it's all fun and well executed. But what really to me kind of elevated the game is how the game plays them paired with the presentation like the game's visuals almost perfectly match the, the aesthetics are really cool yeah because it's kind of like, it's a pop album and it's like the aesthetics are very much like a synth pop sort of vibe um and i and i don't necessarily mean like how the presentation is paired with the gameplay in the sense of like not every beat in the song actually matches up with what you're doing on screen in fact it doesn't always there's the times it literally doesn't but instead it tends to have these key moments that the sync of the music and the gameplay like really hits at the right spot. Like a big enemy will land right at the beat drop or something like that. And it, it's pretty cool. But yeah, structurally and visually, the thing, it feels like I was going to say more like a concept album you're playing than a video game that has some music built into it or something. It, it's in a way like you can really view it through two lenses and that gives you pretty different outcomes of how you see the game. Like as a game, 
it has what you expect. Like each stage has a high score to achieve. You're ranked on bronze, silver, gold. You progress from level to level. It's pretty straightforward flow. You know, you go from world to world. You encounter new, encounter new bosses in each. Um, and the levels are actually kind of small, sometimes too small. They're really broken up. Like there are times that you'll be, you know, going toward into a new world. You're going towards a gang of enemies. You get to a gang of enemies and the level just stops. And then the next level picks up, and now you're catching up to gang of enemies as they run from you, and it just stops. And then the next one's the boss fight. But um, And some of those can be, like, I'm talking like a minute and a half, maybe. But um, it, it kind of makes sense because the whole game's rel- relatively short, like I was starting to say. Like, I was able to get through the whole story in about in under two hours. Um, and, you know, similar Goose game, there's no real way to die. How much was that one? Uh, also, it was 13, but uh, when I said... There's two lenses of looking at it. Hold on. You'll see what I mean. Because oh, it's 13. Know you know where this is going. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so I was going to say, as a, as a game thing, if you, um, like, there's no way to die. If you crash, you miss a cue, you fall off stage, whatever, it's very forgiving. It just resets you a few seconds prior. No real penalty. Um, your score isn't halved or anything like that. Um, in, in fact, if you die enough times in one spot, the game's just like, do you want to skip this spot? Like, you can just skip this spot. It's totally fine. Because um, they just want you to keep going through the experience. Which then brings me to the thing I think you knew I was getting at, which is if you view it as an album, like a concept album, a lot of these choices and the price suddenly make a lot more sense. Because it's about, you know, as long as it's about as long as a full length album, time wise, perhaps a little longer. Uh, You don't die because you're in it for the music as much as anything else. And, you know, Death Means not getting to finish a music track, which that's weird. They have Queen Latifah randomly narrating the game, which, like, she's on music, not in video games. So there's that. She's also in movies. She is Uh, also in movies. Starting the hit Taxi with With Jimmy Fallon. I thought she was in music. I thought she was just in movies. No, she she did music in, like, the 90s. That was a joke, by the way. Taxi's a horrible movie. I've never seen it, but I kind of want you to... We have a friend... It's got Jimmy Fallon. I don't like Jimmy Fallon. We have a friend of ours who... um, I'll tell you... I don't want to just name drop him. Basically, he loves that movie and swears by it. Do I know this person? Have I interacted with this person? You have, and you're friends with him, and I think I just ended the friendship right here, right now. (laughs) Who is it? I'm not continuing this podcast until you tell me who it is. I I guess I gotta say his name is Nevek. Nevek likes that movie? Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, Nivik. <laughs> I was sure texting that we shouted him out on this episode. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, if you look at it through the lens of an album um, with Queen Latifah of the hit, well-received movie, there, Taxi. There's like a funny scene uh, in Taxi when they're like, they're like in a helium store or something like that. No, like... They, I've never they seen it. it. Don't look they get like, hit oh, no. by, by like a helium tank. It's, it's pretty funny. Huh. That's the only praise I will give Taxi. It was it was Taxi was such an interesting movie because it was when like Fallon was done with SNL and thought he could be a movie star and then because he had Fever Pitch and stuff and then like Taxi's like, no Fallon don't and then he kind of just did nothing for five years and then suddenly he hosted Parts late night in Spanish on TV of Taxi or yeah. Fever Pitch um, no. Taxi I actually like Fever Pitch I've heard Fever Pitch that's Fever the one Jones. with Drew Barrymore Fifty First Dates yeah Drew Barrymore yeah right yep yep right. it's Jimmy Fallon and Adam Sandler falling in love in a baseball park. Jimmy Fallon and Adam Sandler falling in love with a baseball Well, because he said 50 First Dates. That's the other half of it. You know, another <laughs> sign that joke works really well is when you have to explain it afterwards. Like, it's, it's when people say it's hilarious and when you explain it. Anyway, the point I was making about uh, Sayonara is, in addition to those sorts of things, I think the most interesting thing of all is when you beat the main story, the thing that really makes it an album to me, you unlock an option to play the entire album in a single run. Like, the level breakup is gone. You have something that's appropriate enough called Album Arcade, and it's a single playthrough, the full hour plus, one high score, one ranking at the end. And in many ways, I kind of suspect that single playthrough is what the developers want from the start. Like when I demoed it back at PAX East in March, I 
think it was presented that way. I don't think they did the level breaks. And I kind of preferred it. Like, it flowed a lot better. The weird breaks I was talking about were just abruptly ended. were not there. I suspect they put those in because um, the game's now on Apple Arcade as well. So it's really a portable first game before, you know, before on Switch would be like, oh, you can play it on the go, but it doesn't have to be. But now it's like, oh, you need to be able to take breaks if you're on a bus or something. So I imagine that's why they did it. Um, but the thing is, like, having it both ways actually kind of works because, you know, as is the case with any album, there's going to be favorites that people want to hear over and over or jump to. So dividing the track, dividing it track by track, if you will, um, does help facilitate that idea. And, and now that I think about it, I guess that makes sense. Actually, now that I think about it, why didn't they do online leaderboards in that case? Because if they're encouraging people to go back and play the same tracks, that's a great opportunity for online leaderboards because you're doing high scores anyway. Anyway, point is, I think the album arcade um, is key here because it really emphasizes the idea that you're experiencing the whole thing from start to finish, the whole concept of a concept album as you go through it at once. Like I remember when Linkin Park came out with A Thousand Suns. That's two Linkin Park references in one podcast. Um, they claimed that was more of a concept album, take it or leave it. But what they did is they, of course, had individual tracks and singles, and you could you know hear those. But they also, if you bought it from their official store, they gave you an MP3 of the entire thing in one MP3 called The Full Experience. Whoa. There are no breaks, no fade-outs, no radio edits, and just one big file. And I thought that was kind of a cool approach, and it's cool to see Sayonara kind of do the same thing and kind of really emphasize, like, oh, it's about the whole experience from start to finish with the music and everything. Thousand Suns so. was the start of the, the decline. Honestly. Whoa, Thousand Suns is my favorite. How dare you? Thousand, thousand Suns is thousand where thousand everything sun. started nope. to fall nope. apart. Nope, That is factually incorrect. No. Uh. Have you seen the review through that album? Yeah, it's their highest review. Oh, so more than than, than I think Hyper it's their Theory? highest review. It's one of their highest reviewed. Fans were very divided when it first came out, but they eventually came around. A new divide? You could say it caused a new divide, even though it predated a new divide. But I appreciate the reference. A yeah. thousand suns is where the the decline started happening. Nope. Don't don't listen to anything this man says. Nope. Nope. I mean, granted, I'm a fanboy, but nope. But anyway, okay. Before we get too lost in the weeds here, the point is. If I told you a two-hour game costs 13 bucks, you might find that unreasonable. I think you already did, based on your face, no. Angel, when I said it. Oh, you kind of gave me a look. But uh, most people don't... I only like... gave you a look because you immediately assumed I did, and you gave me a look that made oh, me think that I was... I thought you gave a... me a look Tell so I gave you a look. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, whoever's listening that may think that, <laughs> fine. Uh, it may be unreasonable. But what most people don't mind is buying an album that costs 10 bucks, at least back in the iTunes days. And this is an album, plus really well-matched slick visuals and gameplay. And just to be super clear, I'm not saying this is a bad game but a good album. I'm saying it's a good game because it's also a good album. So some things that gamers normally look for, you know, may not necessarily be there in spades. There's no multiplayer. Like I said, there's no leaderboards. It's pretty short. Um, but it's incredibly fun while I mean, it lasts. length isn't always, like, yeah. the better term. I mean, of length, I mean, just look at some of the early God of War games. They're, like, four or five-hour games. Right. And then you also have, like... For the same price, like a 100 plus hour game in an RPG. So right, right. I mean, it just depends. Yeah, on what it depends on what you're looking is. for. Yeah, and I, I mean, I wouldn't want God of War to be hundreds of hours long. I feel right. like it'd be way. Yeah, and what's yeah. great about this is it pr- provides replayability, which again is why I'm surprised there's no leaderboards. But it provides replayability, um, which is cool. And I don't want to spoil anything, but like the way it all just comes. Do it. The, I, I can't literally. I can't. Do but it. the way it all comes together at the end. You coward. The way, yep. The way it all comes together at the end was probably one of the coolest moments I've had in gaming in a while. Like, I don't know, it just resonated with me. It was really like the way it, like, kind of going back to the album idea. It felt like the like the crescendo of the performance. Like everything, just like all these different things from different parts of it all kind of meshed back together. All the themes and everything. And like, this is gonna sound incredibly cheesy. Like, incredibly cheesy. I know how cheesy it's gonna sound. I literally had this weird urge. Like, so the game's done. The credits are rolling, and I had this weird urge. Like, 
do do I clap? Like I was alone in my house, and I was kind of like, do, I feel like I should clap. Like it felt like a performance. I don't know how better word it. It sounds very weird. I know, but just I'm saying it was it it was satisfying. It was really cool. So point is, it's a cool game. It's a cool experience. Can't recommend it enough. Um, take or leave my hyperbole. It's a, it's a, it, you're in for a treat if you check it out. It's really cool. So that is Sayonara. That is Goose Game. That is Zelda. That is all I've been playing. I'm finally gonna Yikes. shut up. So Angel, Yikes. I feel like Cuphead. What Sayonara was to me with music, I feel like Cuphead may have been for animation buffs in terms of like mm, combining not things. Even close. Okay, so tell me about Cuphead because I'm way off I'm base. Just kidding. <laughs> tell us about Cuphead. Well, I mean, Cuphead's been around for a while, and especially the Switch version. I don't remember when it came out. Like, I know I'm late. April. April. Sorry. <laughs> Just like, oh, boy. April. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's a really fun game. Like, it just reminds me of Contra. At least, like, Contra 4, because that's the one I played the most. You know, you got your different types of bullets, your spreader, your machine gun. But, I mean, if you don't like difficult games where you're pretty much going to re- be replaying the same level over and over again until you have everything memorized or re- or at least close to it, then, like, you're not going to enjoy this game. But if you do, then you like getting a little bit further each time, then you're definitely going to love it. But, I mean, obviously, like, the selling point is the animation and the fact that it's not a game like, I don't know if any of you remember Cell Damage or something like that. Yeah, Cell Damage. I I remember Cell Damage. It's not like that kind of game where, like, or... I forgot, thinking of another game. Or, like, Bendy and the Ink Machine where... Like, they're trying to replicate, like, oldies cartoons sometimes, but with CG, but, like, it doesn't really work, or, like, you know, or there's, like, cell shading, like, sometimes Mm -hmm. they try to replicate cartoony aesthetics without actually being cartoony, like, you know, you get, like, this whole new thing, but this one, obviously, like, they did it, they drew it to, yeah, they drew it and animated it traditionally, they colored it digitally, and, I mean, the results are just, like, amazing, like, just how fluid everything is, the creative transformations the character designs it's like damn it actually feels like playing a cartoon the the boss transformations are like always amaze me in that game yeah like you could easily be entertained like i mean i was entertained like watching my brother play it back when it came out on pc just like watching him like play through the game just because it was just so entertaining to watch the bosses transform like oh what form are they going to take next and they always go in these crazy more absurd forms than the last and i mean and the characters are just all over the place i mean you fight vegetables you fight like a queen in her castle that throws her head at you and you fight like her sweet army. Oh, it's, it's sweet isn't cool or sweet isn't like literally their candy. Sweet. Yeah. Ah. Like the candy, candy corn. Yes. Yeah. Like a waffle. Have you, know. have you been? Uh, no, I'm still, I've been in that area where we were. Oh, that, that, yeah. But is there any yet. boss that's giving you trouble so far? Um, I mean that horse one, like, well, pretty much like with the horse one. Well, the the roller coaster. The roller co- one. Yeah, the roller coaster one took me a yeah, while too. Because there's just like some attacks that, like, even though you know they're coming, they just come out so fast that they still catch you by surprise. I mean, that's kind of like a lot of that game. Like, you can be ready for a lot of things, and you'll still make that one mistake. But I've been trying to get like a perfect score before moving on in each one. For so, the most part. so it's just taking forever. Like, if I get hit, like, I'll just start over, even though like I know I could potentially beat it, maybe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's gonna be so. To so very... score some of them, you have to you have to parry. Up yeah, after right? after do this thing called parrying. Like while in the air, you have to press the jump button again, and you slap anything that's pink. If it's pink, that means you could parry it, so take no damage, and you block it. And it also gives you another jump. And for each boss, you have to do that at least three times. Have built up your full 
I guess your full like meter where you could do an ultra attack and you also have to beat it within a certain time limit and there's always like usually like one thing that I mess up it's either I missed a parry or I took a little too long or I used up too many of my I guess as you deal damage you build up like a little meter that's in the form of playing cards and there's six of them you can build it up up to six but if you don't let it build up all the way then you're not letting yourself get that final bonus that you have to have built it up all the way. Pretty much saying you went that long without using your, you know, your more powerful moves. But, no, the game is awesome. Like, it's cool that it offers, like, co-op multiplayer. There are some... Have you done it yet? Any co-op? Yeah, um, with Kevin. We were playing the... Oh, that's what you meant. It it does get definitely way more chaotic. Like, I know, especially when while watching Elvis and Kevin play it, like, on Switch, like, there's just so many projectiles on the screen. Like, it's... (laughs) ridiculous like does the game ever bog down from it because it was built for more powerful hardware no the the frame rate never bogs down it just the loading times are significantly longer i was not used to that yeah you usually... can straight up tell like because after i was asking like oh but like oh how do i do how do i check this in the game and he booted up his copy on his computer and the load times were like almost instant i mean he also has like an ssd i'm sure that's well, yeah, yeah. but it, there was like almost no load time and then on mine I'm just like oh yeah cool I'm still waiting for the initial like item to boot up and <laughs> it takes forever but I don't know really fun game like I'm there's a reason why like it's super popular and it's like getting merchandise like crazy and man. a Netflix show yeah and it's getting a show and now it's on your Tesla too it's yep. also on Tesla so. yep that rolled out with Tesla update 10 or whatever it's called just the other day yeah so I don't want that DLC coming out, but... Uh, I got delayed into next year. Really? Oh. Yeah. The Delicious Last Course. Yeah. DLC. I, I appreciate the name. Well, That's what I strive them. for with my puns and my names. I mean, I can only imagine it's going to be a pretty... Like, beefy, pretty, yeah, yeah, beefy, yeah. Oh. Ah, good Close word choice, the... guys, because talk about food. Delicious Last Course, beefy. Yeah, Yeah. well, yeah. definitely something to look forward to. That's exciting. Yeah, I will say from my experience with it, like it's, gonna it's take too a hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> the whole game. It's gonna take a while, but like I'll I'll definitely beat it. There there are some bosses in there that legit took me combined. Uh, I don't know, maybe about like six hours to to beat. Yeah, I don't yeah. think I have the patience for that. Yeah, there's some like that. I remember there was like a giant robot that gave us a lot of trouble. that. Yeah, that robot. Was... That one just takes forever to beat. Mm-hmm. Like it just has a lot of HP. I think that one just has like two forms, but yeah, the yeah, it's like on the. I... Definitely do not have the patience for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I love these kinds of games. It's like, right. you know, you're Super Meat Boys, you're The End is Nigh, you're Celeste. I mean, they're all like, you inch a little more than what right, you play, right. but, you know, this will make some fun and satisfying. I mean, it's, it's always like, I guess once you get that final gratification that you beat it, like, you see the the yeah. fireworks go, like, when you beat it. And then you, too, may want to like, yes. applause, like me with my Sayonara. Well, no, you're it, applauding yourself because it's your skill. It's usually so not it's a applause. It's more like, yeah. you know, like, oh, like it's more like a sigh of relief. Like I yeah. don't have to do that again. Right. Just yeah. Usually get. Unless you want to perfect it, obviously. Yeah. Which angel? Which are you? But see, you there's will. some there's some cool stuff for perfecting the game. No, I definitely want to see. Like I well yeah. I mean I suppose some of the stuff for myself just because the game's been out for a while. But I definitely want to play with those filters and that kind of stuff. Yeah. What's our filter? Well, spoiler alert. What's our filters? Um, like a black and white. Black oh, and that's cool. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Makes the pairing a little bit more harder. Oh, that's true. Cause oh, cause kink, it's, yeah. Right, 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 right. That makes whoops, sense. Kick the table. But yeah, Cuphead definitely. Yeah, definitely I think good. to your guys, to I feel like we sort of raised the point we were going that different games are different folks, right? Like that's obviously a thing. Um, so this next game, 
that we're going to talk about, which I think all of us have dabbled in, but Angel's played the most, is definitely niche, extremely niche. But we have a buddy that works down at uh, Circuit of the Americas, and his game is on the box art, and his game's in the game. I mean, his track is in the on the box art, and his track is in the game, and he actually got to be like the point person that facilitated the track being in the game. So he drew a few copies our way, and I'm uh, it's called Truck Racing Championship. And how would you describe it, Angel? Because this is one that most people probably haven't heard a thing. Well, about. I mean, just the way we're talking about, yeah, like Jason said, niche games like. This game is straight up only for a particular group of people. Like, if you, just because you like Mario Kart, doesn't mean you're going to like this game. In, in fact, if you try to play it like Mario Kart, you're going to hate it. But, I don't know, for what it is, like, it, it does a good job of being, like, a a truck simulator. Like, I mean, I've played simulation games before, like Gran Turismo and Forza, and I don't particularly enjoy them too much because, like, by instinct, I just never want to let go of the gas. But you have to, and if you don't, make the turn just right you're gonna spin out and you spin out a ton on top of that you also have to keep track of the heat of your tires so you have to cool them down and yeah it's a it's a tough game really steep learning curve but like the few moments like where i was able to get one lap without spinning out it's like a low bar but i mean that was (laughs) extremely satisfying but i heard the xbox version has online yeah, the Switch one doesn't, which yeah, is kind of surprising. It's weird. Like, on one hand, it is kind of nice that you don't have, like, you're literally in a bubble. Like, it's a complete single-player experience. There's, like, a, you know, like a Grand Prix of sorts. You can do the tracks, do your own time trials. But there's, like, no leaderboards, not even with just your friends, like, right. or anything. Like, you're, yeah, it's just a very private personal experience, which... <laughs> And it's a very private experience. Yeah, yeah. which is weird because like I'm used to some games at the minimum just have like a leaderboard where you can just compare the world and your friends. Even if you can't play with them, you just say like, "Oh, who's ahead?" But this one is like because it doesn't have that part of that. It's kind of nice. It's like cool. I'm because you know if there's a leaderboard that has you know that's worldwide, you know there's always going to be that time that's going to be impossible to reach because that yeah. person either exploited something or they're just that good. Yeah. But because of that, your times are always there and yours then that's kind of cool but it would have been nice to at the very least have a leaderboard with your friends on your friends list yeah it, it is strange and they, i mean they do it's funny because they try and cover it up a little because like oh we have five multiplayer modes and five single player modes like but th- at the end of the day it's still local only which isn't yeah you know, and, I mean, has its advantage. and visual wise i mean it gets the job done like i mean it looks it looks fine like the track looks great yeah the only thing is um it's all super realistic it has um it does have an option to turn anti-aliasing on or, or off, but by default, it doesn't. And everything looks so sharp that it kind of looks a little weird. I'm assuming it's for performance, like because the switch is underpowered. So they're like, hey, if you don't have any anti-aliasing, it runs smoother, I would guess. Yeah, but it's it's interesting. But And like if you're a big truck person. Yeah, it's like, yeah especially. I mean, this is like a European thing, apparently. So it's not even that common. For that, here in the I was US. about to say that. That's actually kind of funny. It's in Europe. It's there's a whole truck racing league called the FIA, I believe. I think that's. And, I mean, this is what it's based on. I think. Yeah. So the game in Europe is marketed as FIA European Truck Racing Championship, and in the US, they're just like no one knows what half those words mean. Just call it Truck Racing Championship. Yeah. But it, if if you're into trucks, though, I mean, like yeah, it has a lot of trucks. If you like, like to car racing simulators, then I'm sure like you'll enjoy it. There's literally 45 trucks. Just 
As long as you don't mind not playing online, otherwise you'd yeah. get it on a different console. But. And listen, if you are a truck person and you like those 45 trucks, have I got news for you? We'll explain how later in the show, but we have two copies to give away. So if you like trucks without online play, check. stay tuned. Wow. Stay tuned. No, but actually it is kind of cool that they, you know, they're able to provide us with two copies. And they're, it, for, the per, for the people out there that like this sort of thing, it does what it needs yeah. to do. So... So stay tuned for that. But uh, anyone else been playing any games? I think we ran through the list. Um, started be playing Banjo Kazooie. How's that going? And you know, because of Smash, I assume. Um, no, we've just been wanting to. I mean, that did kind of help. It was just more like we realized, oh, our brother-in-law has an Xbox that we could borrow, uh, and yeah. it was literally just as easy as asking him. And now we have it here. I did have to buy. I did have to buy it because no one had Game Pass, so it was thirty bucks total for Kazooie and Tui. Hmm. But. Yeah, the game is still really hilarious. Uh, it, was, it was funnier than I remembered. It was isn't like, the retro replay? Doesn't well, that's twenty ninety nine. But yeah, but you get both games and and a, more and a bunch more. Like yeah, Jeff but I mean, Gemini. But, yeah, but we're like borrowing the Xbox just for those two, and I figured like we have enough games to play as it is. I'm not gonna. So about to add you're like I'm gonna buy fewer games at the same price. Yeah, I didn't care. Okay. Yeah, okay. I just. Okay. I, I, That's I, hard. It's hard to argue with. I didn't care. Okay. 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 I, I, I saw the list of the games, and none of them felt like anything I wanted to play. What about Jeff Force Gemini? I could care less. Wow. You mean you couldn't care less? I if could. you could care less, you'd be able to care less. I could. I mean, I don't know. I don't know that. Actually, much about... I don't remember much of Jeff Force Gemini. All I know, all I know about Jeff Force Gemini is just like the promo art. Oh, you've never actually played it? I don't it. even know what it plays like. I rent it. Like what type person. of game it is. It's I like never a, bothered to look like, up what it like, plays like. From what I remember, because I only rented it a couple no, times. No, no, no. Like, I want to keep it that way. Oh. I keep it a mystery. They, they make like keep the... Keep it a mystery. You just go Google it. You have your answer. It's not a mystery. Keep it in the shadows. I want it to be like when, when it gets like a remaster and then it's like, play it as you've never seen it. Like, get a Final Fantasy. Play it like you've never seen it before and you're back, well, I've never seen it before. Well, yeah, but Benji Kazuya, it's still really funny. Still really tech controls. It's still really fun. It's like a better Odyssey, but yeah. Wow, bold, better Odyssey. It is very similar to yeah. Actually, now like thinking about it, the parallels between Mario sixty four and Odyssey and Banjo and Odyssey, like it definitely is stronger. The Banjo Odyssey connection. Well, yeah, because I mean the whole thing of Banjo is like, oh, you don't have to leave the world; it's all yeah. there. And then Odyssey is like, oh, well, we're gonna put so many moons everywhere. We're gonna try to Donkey Kong Country this thing and Donkey Kong sixty four it. Yeah, and I feel like they went overboard. But, right, we've yeah gone through that a few times. But uh, so so how's Kazooie versus Tui so far, or Tui versus Kazooie, or have you only played Kazooie because you're not to Tui yet? I'm just seeing how many times I say Kazooie and Tui in a sentence. But... I'm re- I'm replaying Kazooie, so I haven't gone to Tui uh, yet. Gotcha. But I just remember from what I played from Tui before that the game is just way bigger. I don't know if that necessarily means better, but everything is just like this is way more to explore. So right. that one probably went like the Odyssey route, but I don't know. Right, I, I don't right. know. Did you ever play Tui? No, I never played Tui. I only ever played Kazooie. Same, which is weird because Kazooie is one of my all-time favorite N64 games. I never played Tui. Yeah, I don't ever say Kid didn't... Logic doesn't make sense. I mean, favorite game, I, I the, won't play the sequel. Remember the commercials where like, Banjo's jumping off the plane and Kazooie's not there and he just like falls on the floor? I don't even remember and, that. And Kazooie's just like reading a magazine like by the pool. Do you remember that? Nope. Oh. Bells ring a bell. It sounds right. It sounds in character for yeah. them. But it was just like a guy. On brand. I know it's just like a guy in a costume, so it's you know, not animated, so it's pretty funny. Hmm. I have no recollection of that. But yeah, fun games to revisit. Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like they're gonna remake it pretty soon. Maybe it won't come to Switch, but I feel like Microsoft sees the writing on the wall. And it's like we could totally monetize Banjo's boost in, in attention. 
They totally should. But they should make a multi-platform. That'd be great. I want it on Switch. I just realistically yeah. don't think it's going to come to Switch. What a shame. Yeah. But anyway, so that's what we've been playing. See, that was a lot of games. That was nearly an hour of just games we've been playing, which, like, unless there's anything else you've been playing, we could go over an hour. No. I'm, okay, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I no. Just have, I just haven't had a lot of time recently to, right, to right. play a lot. Yeah, I mean, we had to delay the episode just to be able to cram in the games we did talk about, so I get that. But, uh, yeah, what's kind of crazy is we ran through, like, a pretty big breadth of games, right? It's crazy. Like, we got our well, well. Let me finish the thought. We got our you know first party AAA release with Zelda. Um, we have a few indies: Goose Game, Sayonara, essentially a third party release in Cuphead, a more niche racing sim with Truck Racing Championship, uh, even Banjo, like a retro game. Although that's not on Switch, doesn't really prove my point. But it seems like you know overall healthy lineup. Except there's the other side of the coin here, which is on the week that three of those games came out. So Zelda, Goose Game, Sayonara. That week, they're part of 37 new eShop releases. On just the eShop press release that Thursday. There's probably others that Nintendo didn't include. I went and counted them all. And if you count up all the ones in September for every press release, there are 133 games on Switch in the last four weeks. That's and, a lot of games. Yeah. When you but have is that it Steam many. Steam numbers, though. What? Is it Steam number, though? No, but Steam's having all sorts of its own problems with discoverability and people falling off and developers losing huge amounts of money because they changed their algorithm to bring up the attention, to like rise through the ranks, bubble up lesser-known games, except it's having the opposite effect is actually suppressing them down further. So a lot of developers are struggling right now. But that's kind of the concern, is when you have that many games, you run into a major, major issue of discoverability, and I guess algorithms one way, but, you know, for every game that gets a big PR push or attention from a podcast like us, there's about 120, at least on Switch, that didn't. Or to ground it in, like, a real-world example, in two weeks' time, Killer Queen Black comes to Switch on the 11th. That is a indie game that got a lot of attention from Nintendo at E3. Oh, I completely forgot about that game. Exactly. It went off, the, it disappeared, but now it's coming back and maybe some remember and some don't. So you have that game that maybe half the audience remembers. Now they're on their own with marketing, it seems. And then, a week ago, at the Tokyo Game Show, there were 129 other Switch games on display. So it's just kind of like, one game has some attention, those other ones, some do, some don't, who knows? There's some that probably no one's ever heard of. The dude that made Custom Robo, he had a new Custom Robo-style arena battler game at Tokyo Game Show. I bet no one knows about it or could tell you the name of it because, like, it got buried by all the others. So it's, Can you self-publish on the Switch? You can. I think you can. I don't think they... If you, you can... Might, I think you have to incorporate as your own company, but I think you could. If you can, well, there's the problem. If you can't or if you can't? If you can. I think you can, but you need a corporation. So you have okay. to go through the legal hoops. But, I mean, if you make your own corporation, sure. But, um, yeah, if it was self-published and everyone just throws anything, that'd be bad. Yeah. But um, it's, it's just interesting because, like, in these past few weeks, not only have we seen all these games and talked about so many games, but a lot of stories have started to come out that paint a picture of just, like, how difficult it is for developers, especially indie ones, to reach an audience, both on Switch and more generally. So on Switch, um, the thing that's been happening lately that Kotaku just covered is this idea of developers starting to resort to the strategy of offering a super cheap discount on their game. Because, you know, it'll stick it both in the frequently checked great deal section and, more significantly, it boosted up the sales chart. And it does work. I mean, Kotaku had this article, and they were sharing some stats, and it, it can be successful. There are devs of games like uh, Draw Stickman, which is like Scribblenauts, but you draw stick figures. Um, and there's another game called A Robot Named Fight, which is kind of a Metrovania game. Those two saw their sales rise. I believe Draw Stickman was a thousand times over, and... Uh, Robot Named Fight was up 1,500% in 
just because they went under a buck for a little bit of time. And Membrane, which is a different game, a puzzle platformer, that they experimented with all sorts of different discounts, only 1% of their sales were at full price. And they had the biggest boost when they dropped it to cost only $0.09. Cents. That is a 99% uh, amount of just games or just sales from discounts. Like they had basically zero traction without discounts. And, you know, anecdotally, even like Angel and I, two episodes ago, we were talking about a uh, super beat Zonic, 89 cents, $40 game normally. And we totally like bought into this idea that, Oh, it's super cheap. Let's just get it now. And I think what the devs ultimately are counting on is word of mouth will carry the game into some sort of longer tail of sales that, you know, go be, goes beyond the length of the discount. And when games do it, it you know it gets the attention of the gaming press. When they do the discount, they get the gaming press on it. They, there's social media talking about it. There's situations where people will upload less plays to YouTube because they got this super cheap game, or you know they'll live stream it on Twitch or whatever. I mean, literally, like I said, we covered Zonic only because it was super cheap, and they got some free coverage from us two episodes ago. But the risk is that even if you do the deep discounts, you're not guaranteeing those um, later sales. Like not everyone has a podcast. Although it sure does feel like it these days, am I right? No, but not everyone has a uh, podcast or a YouTube or social media or whatever where they're going to gush about your game. And gushing isn't even guaranteed. I mean, our Zonic impressions, our Super Beat Zonic impressions, I was pretty into it. Angel, the rhythm game guru of the show, had some legit concerns about it. So it's a gamble for these developers to do anything like this. And while I, I love me a good discount, I just don't see how this is like a healthy approach to discoverability on the eShop, right? Like, am I crazy? This just seems like the race to the bomb's going to be detrimental in the long run. Hmm. I mean, we can't have both. It was like the opposite problem on the Wii. It was. There's a mi- there's a middle ground. There is a middle ground. I don't know what was it the, is. Was the Wii U the middle ground? No, the, the middle ground was the early Switch days when they actually uh, curated a bit more, I feel like. Well, I don't know, because it's, like, it's good to have. It's just... Because it definitely... No, you're right, because I remember early on the Switch, life, yeah, like, Lifespan, I remember being like, oh, cool, like, I know literally every game on the eShop, because I would go every week or every other day and just, like, look through what's coming up, what was out, and, yeah, I think, like, maybe as of, like, half a year ago, like, I just straight up gave up. It was just too many. Yeah, it's it's... It's... I'll occasionally go in, but for the most part, I'll be looking for a game because of a recommendation. Like, I would have never thought to look up um, Ultimate Chicken Horse if it wasn't for Kevin. Right, so word of mouth. Yeah. And it, it's funny because, like... Ho, like that one I randomly ran into, and then... Right. Yeah. Did I tell you about that he one? Told yeah, 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 Randomly. Not no, cause no, because no, no, I remember seeing it, but I remember, like, passing on it. And then Kevin mentioned that and I went back he to He randomly it. ran into your words when they came out of your mouth to his ear. No, I... I ran... know, I know. Okay, okay. God. <laughs> Jason, <laughs> but um, yeah, it just feels like you have to have to rely on that more, like word of mouth and stuff. And that's like, that's kind of probably where the idea of doing these ridiculous discounts comes from. Because if anything, like, remember how Tui did that for Mutant Muds collection? Like, yeah, he, they did. He just kept putting yeah, his like games on discount. Yeah, and it's, then it was like Chicken Wiggle wasn't doing so well, so he kept discounting it. And, and like, it works. I mean, you're gaming the system, but it works on some level, right? Yeah. The the problem is if you do any sort of cheat like this, like ultimately mm. cheaters never prosper. So I, w- what, I wouldn't say that. Well, what I see happening right now, they'll be fine. But what if they do this? Okay. So what happens if other devs start latching onto this idea? So this worked great for a two E for like three games. Their fourth game comes out. They sell it at full price. It doesn't do particularly well. They try and do the discount move, but so do 20 other developers. The whole tw- list is flooded at that point. Like you run into two issues. I think one is, 
they're either going to start burning Switch owners with subpar games available for cheap, and then people are going to get really hesitant and stop falling for it, or only go for ones that already have attention, which defeats the purpose of this. Or two, the games will all be good, but now it's a race to the bomb as who can make the cheapest, and then how do you eventually turn that around? Like, games as a whole will become devalued at that point. Because, you know, like, some games... I mean, did first part really, games, like... It feels like we got past that with the whole like Apple thing. It's like, oh, all the games, well, should, a, yeah, the all games a, should be a dollar. If it's more than a dollar, like, oh, it better be good. But we didn't get past that. Think about it. I feel like we're look better, at the free to plays. But... Look at how they have to do a subscription service. They're trying. They're coming up with other ways around the issue because you can't sell a five dollar. Look at Mario Run. If you want to go to the yeah, Apple, or I guess Apple Arcade. Yeah, Apple Arcade kind of kind of addresses it. But yeah, the thing is, like, some games are going to be fine no matter what. Like first party Nintendo games, big indie games like Goose Game. I those are going to keep chugging along. I feel like, but. If you're a smaller studio, your $8 game – use the iPhone example. Your $8 game may have been – oh, that makes sense back in the start of this ecosystem. But now it feels overpriced because some other studio has a similar game for an eighth of the price of what you're charging. And now nobody's going to buy your game unless you meet their price. But at that point, you're now competing for the same spot in the same way you could have been competing at $8 a piece. You're now competing at a dollar a piece maybe. So yeah, I think I think to your point, Angel, yeah, there are ways they're trying to get around it like – the but, if that's the only, but, but like if that's the only way that you can make a sale then i'm all for it yeah no i think i think it's better to have them try and do it i'm just worrying it's gonna have long-term ramifications that won't help anyone it's just gonna devalue well so i feel like some of it has to has to deal with the e-shop is a mess is yeah it's a mess yes i agree. like trying to use the e-shop is is a mess like i i trying to yeah. trying to find a game kind of sucks if there's not a lot of options of, of how to like mm-hmm. search for video games for games on there I, um, yeah i think that's like a combat i'm not looking for like something as robust as like steam mm-hmm. but like give me something that that's just as robust as like we'll say the playstation store yeah yeah i think there i think there's a lot they could do honestly like really what they need to do is curate they have to curate or um Start letting uh, user reviews, yeah, happen or both in tandem, or user both. curation yeah. and because like, I mean, there's ways they could bucket stuff that they're not currently doing. Like, I, I they could easily. This being Nintendo, I, I I never see user reviews happening. Probably not. Like, um, probably not. Especially they, they're gonna, they did it, and review bombs happened, and they pulled it off the site. Yeah, yeah. on the 3DS, right? But uh, it was yeah, the it was on Nintendo.com right? too for a while. But uh, yeah, yeah the. Right. Like, they kind of already do the, the bare minimum of curing. They have that news channel that highlights stuff on Given Week and on the Switch. But the And it's actually really well-placed because it's, like, smack in the middle of the Switch. Like, you boot up your Switch, it's on the lock screen. It's right there. But the problem is there's so many things now, so many news stories, so many different channels you could subscribe to that it's burying itself. So I think one thing they could do that would be really great is if they made those chan- those news recommendations in the eShop as, like, a curated section, like – almost like playlists on Spotify or Apple Music or something where, you know, they have their algorithmic ones, your new release Friday or whatever, but they also have like on Spotify Rap Caviar or on Apple Music, they have the A-list and those are editor curated. They choose what they think the next big thing will be. They tell you and that that could help. But also like, I don't know why they don't just have buckets. Like kind of going with the Spotify Apple example again. Um, you go on Spotify, you go on Apple Music, there's playlists by editors, playlists by genre, but then they have like ones based on mood or activity you want to do. I don't know why Nintendo doesn't do that for categories on the eShop for, say, like, retro games 
or um, you know, maybe they do something like games from the '90s or games from the 2000s, and they should probably start doing that because retro games is already too big of a bucket. I recently saw that uh, Hamster, the guys that put out the arcade archives, have released. They won a Guinness World Record for releasing 133 consecutive weeks of games. Well, yeah, and then they proceeded to announce eight more. So you are going to even in retro to probably divide it up. But you can divide it up by, like, uh, decade or system or IP. You, you know, basically make a virtual console that you pay pay per game. Or, like, kind of along the same line, why not highlight publishers in a more direct way? Like, you can click their name and see their other games, but I don't know why they don't do something like the Disney Plus Disney Plus approach where they have by brand. So you open Disney Plus when it comes out in, in uh, November, and it's like Star Wars, Nat Geo, Marvel, da-da. They could do that with some of their bigger publishers, like, have a Capcom one. Have a Bandai Namco one. I mean, Bandai Namco is apparently about to reboot Klonoa and Mr. Driller and all these other games. Excuse me? Yes. They, they have what? trademarked Klonoa Encore, Mr. Driller Encore, and a few others. And the theory oh. is they're going to do like either re- remakes or just like quick and dirty ports like Capcom does. Those seem like they'd be great in a Namco section on the eShop. It's a shame that Klonoa 2 has not been re-released. I love Klonoa too. Maybe it'll be bundled in with Klonoa One Dr- and Encore. Veil of, Veil of Dreams, I think, was the subtitle for. So Klonoa what is II? the what is the hook with Klonoa? Because I've I, I have like, heard very good things, but I've never actually played it. Like, what's the? I mean, I, I know it's good platforming. Kirby sixty four, where it's like a two D platformer, but like it kind of goes in and out. Two point five D. Excuse you. That's like that's like, <laughs> that's like Kirby sixty four. Yeah, yeah, two point five D. But yeah, like, what is it? Just really well made? Is there anything particular? Hook I, to I, it? I think it's well made. I I had a lot of fun with it when I was a kid, and some of those levels got hard. But uh, I definitely would, would retry that. I didn't play that Klonoa remake on the Wii. Was it? On yeah, the Wii? it was on Wii, right? Yeah, I didn't play that one. Which I would assume Klonoa Encore would be that, that game. Well, it's kind of like how Banana Blitz HD is the Wii one because that's one that sold the best, so to bring it back again, or like. Here's another one that's getting rebooted. House of the Dead 1 and 2 coming to Switch. Oh, yeah. It's rumored – it came out of a Polish press release that got leaked early, but it's a Polish developer doing it for Sega. But again, like, Sega could have a section. Throw Monkey Ball in there. Throw uh, House of the Dead in there. Like, it just seems like there's so many ways to do this. I don't know. But but it is – it's – yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I do think the – Angel, you raised a good point about, like, subscription services and stuff. And it's kind of – I don't think Nintendo's going to go that route necessarily. I mean, they sort of are uh... part of part. But I don't think they're going to go fully, like... I mean, it's not what they're doing with their... I don't think they're going to put all their games behind their it, Their retro though. stuff? Lunatees Veil. I got the, the subtitle wrong. Oh. Yeah. The PS2 but, one? But, um... Yeah. Do you remember this cover? Turn around. This is a badass cover. I remember that. Yep. For those who it's are wondering what we're looking at, show. it's exactly what mm-hmm. it sounds like. The cover art of Klonoa 2. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I do remember that cover art. I do want a Metacritic. That's a great game. Whoa. There you go. The critics have spoken. But yeah, I think um, I think it's just it's a weird time to be a dev, honestly, because you got like Switch being like Steam being like mobile, where it's like how do you get any attention? And you know it's a problem even Nintendo's susceptible to, as I'm sure we'll discuss at great length when we talk about Mario Kart Tour in a few minutes. But the the overarching issue is now something that Apple and to a lesser extent Google are trying to counteract with these subscription services they're doing because if people feel they're being overwhelmed by bad in-app purchase schemes or scamming in-app ads or like the, the kind of like every game is free to play but has like a million hooks that you need to do they're not going to keep downloading and playing these games necessarily people will get fed up and i think there must be some metrics showing apple and google that 
this is a problem. They're going to start losing revenue, which is why I think we're suddenly seeing stuff like Apple Arcade and Google Play Pass because it's just another approach to the same goal of how do you get people to discover new games. And even those have their own issues. The biggest is that um, the new Google Play Pass, I don't know if you guys have read up on this at all, but Google Play Pass is paying out entirely based on engagement time, which is a horrible metric. I mean, not just game against game. They're going to pay out a game against like how long you spend in a weather app. So if someone's in a weather app a lot, that game's going to get less than the weather app gets. It's yeah, it's kind of dumb. So like, the the concern is, if we had a race to bomb on mobile with stuff like free to play, if we have a race to bomb with deep discounts on Switch, imagine that on steroids with a subscription service where they pay based on engagement because that's just like that sounds like what you don't want to do for games. Yeah, because like they're got to... I huh. I don't necessarily agree with that. Go on. So your your situation. Go, Talking Google finish, specifically finish. right now. Oh, uh, Google, Apple's okay, doing yeah, it a little different. Yeah, Google's... Uh... Yeah, strictly based on engagement. So um, how's Apple doing it? So Apple's taking on a bit of a publisher That's role. true. What are they doing? So Apple's being really wishy-washy. At first they said they're doing engagement too. And then they sort of yeah, backed off that. And now what apparently they're doing, they haven't outright said and by contract no one's allowed to say it, but it seems like what they're doing, at least in part, is they're treating themselves like an actual publisher, which means... They pay for games up front. They fund the development of the game in part. They uh, help with distribution, obviously, getting into the arcade. And then they do an active rev share throughout the whole process. So I'm sure some of that might be engagement, which is still not great. Because, I mean, Google has it way worse. But um, it sounds like they're actually – like what Google's doing is you just get the exact same games and apps. They're just plucking out the ads from it. Like literally where there is an ad, there will no longer be an ad, and that's it. But Apple's actually like – funding new games and exclusive experiences for arcade and basically treating it like it's their platform as a publisher or it's their you know their their suite of games or whatever so it, it's potentially better but even that like even if they do somewhat based on engagement i feel like it still runs the risk that google has which is that's not going to stop the psychological tricks it's only gonna make it worse because if you're competing against you know other games for people's time you're going to want people to be hooked on your games. So that means you do all the games as service stuff. That means no short narrative games. That means nothing like Goose Game or Sayonara. That, that's that's where I disagree. Uh, okay, yeah. If if a short narrative game, if a game lasts two hours and you, you're just looking for something that's two hours, there are a lot of people out there that don't have time for these for yeah. these games as a service games. There are a lot of people that... There's the, uh, what was that one game? Florence, I think? He, I yeah, don't know where you're going with this. That is a game. <laughs> Florence on or like the, Gris on, maybe on iOS that, or that Gris. RC yeah. story driven yeah thing. like a ton of people played that game oh I think they're still in market I think it's just gonna shrink exponentially I I no I don't think so I don't think so at all I'm starting to come around to that just because like if I know a game is shorter like or something that I could like kind of like saying about how like I feel like more yeah. people like especially the average consumer will actually play through all of that whereas like if it was like a more open-ended game, they might... I feel like most of them would probably stop before the first hour. Like, you might get your satisfaction and just move on to the next game, especially because there are that many games. Exactly. So, you're a developer. You have X amount of money to make a game, right? And you want maximum return on investment, right? You have players who you're... As you point out, I have 45 minutes. I will play your game for 45 minutes. Meanwhile, one game genre over... You can get people hooked with stupid psychological things and have them be addicted like you are to Brawl Stars or to Hearthstone or whatever. I'm using addiction loosely. Obviously, you're not really addicted. But, um, you know, you can do so, You can make a game like that. And you could get a lot more money because if they're paying based on time that people play, even if I was like, yeah, I'll play 45 minutes, that's a finite 45 minutes versus potentially an infinite. But there you're also competing with a bunch of other games that are doing that. Yeah. While the, while the, uh, the narrative-driven games, 
There's a handful of them. That's why. That's why I think it will still exist, but shrink. Uh, and then I, risk feel, I feel it like shrinking. I feel like narrative-driven games are going to be okay. I feel like they're the. If anything, they're probably the only other ones besides the quote-unquote addictive gameplay ones that will be fine. Well, that's the only two there are. There's either the multiplayer or the narrative single player. Then what do you call the floor is lava? Isn't it multiplayer? I don't know. It just looks like you're just... Oh, I don't know. It, well, it, that's it, just it, a single player game. Like, okay, never mind narrative. Let's take the word narrative out. Yeah, it depends. Yeah, I, that's because right, I'm specifically yeah. calling on narrative because it, you're, it's yeah. kind of like watching a movie. Like you want to see it through. Yeah. Like, you have more incentive whereas, like, all right, I played the first two levels. Like, I get the gist of the game. Let's see what else is on. Yeah, so, okay, maybe narrative will live on. Yeah, some that's capacity, a, like, but there, there's some There's something in the middle there. That's not a finite experience, and that's not full multiplayer. That's gonna fall away. But it yeah. has to. Why would you, as a develop? Why would you, as a business? I mean, do if that? anything, like for those like addictive multiplayer ones, like if anything, it sucks more for them, just because like the ones that it's. I mean, the ones that get picked off as like the popular ones, like those are gonna skyrocket. But then for every one that gets picked up as like the super popular one, there's gonna be like hundreds that will probably never even get touched. Which is true now. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, guess I think it's a worse just, version I of just, what's already happening. So the reason I was saying this is if you look at music in the world of streaming, it has dramatically changed. In subtle ways, but pretty significant ways. So songs are shorter now. An average song coming out today, in, especially in hip-hop, is like two minutes instead of three plus. What they do, and I was watching this interview with Charlie XCX, who actually is a songwriter for a bunch of other people, which I had no idea about. But uh, she was saying that, so you, you make a shorter song, you put the hook in the first 30 seconds, you take out all the intros, all the instrumentals, you just do the song and move on. Because music, they pay in terms of engagement and plays. So in those situations, you want to get someone hooked to the song right away before they have ADD and click somewhere else. And then you want to keep them there, and then you want to make it be stuck in their head. So you make it short, sweet, and very repetitive, and then you pump that out. Simultaneously, when you have an album, you want to put as many of those short songs as you can because you are paid per play. So if you have a 28-song album, that's you know double the pay as if you have a 14-song album. And the thinking is, if they're short and sweet, boom, 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 people just make their way through the album. And that's why so many, especially in hip-hop, albums are super bloated now because they're trying to chase down that extra engagement money. And that's why it's kind of like, oh, well, if music can change it much. Like, music has always adapted to the format. Like, the reason a single is three and a half minutes to four minutes is because that used to be what would fit on the record back in the day. But it kind of stabilized and just became a thing where that's just what it is. Um, so now it's just evolving to the new format. But I'm kind of like, all right, if that happened to music, and it happened pretty quick. I mean, Spotify, that's in the last eight years, let's say. Apple Music's even less. Um I don't know necessarily if game, maybe gaming, maybe it's not a narrative that game that changes. Maybe it's a gas game that changes. Maybe it's something in between. But like, there's no way that completely changing how you track games from being like you buy a finished product, you go see a movie and you pay a set price regardless of length to being like, it's like how many minutes of this TV show did you watch? We'll pay based on that. Like, that's going to dramatically oh, change man. things in some capacity. I that would be like for movies, like if it was right? literally based on... Because that's essentially what like animated films would be shortchanged a ton, just because right, and that's that's exactly and there exactly usually more expensive and more work. And that's exactly my point about games. Like there will still be always some animated movies, and there will still always be some games that are narrative. But why, if you're a small developer, (laughs) would you not go for maximum money unless you really have a vision that's significantly financially backed? Like, if you're a struggling guy that just needs to make some money, and then maybe once you're established, you can go make the game you want, but you first have to start with the one that's going to make you money. 
because unfortunately, while games are an art, they're also a business, and it's what kind of like movies and music and all of them. It's that weird balance between the two. So I don't know what the description services are going to mean necessarily, but I feel like the race to the bottom that happened on mobile that we're sourcing on Switch, if they don't figure out curation, like you were saying, kind of in terms of like new categories and better ways to sort things, like it's not that far of a jump to get into the same sort of headache that mobile has and all that. So we'll see. Um, and it's not to say like even the current structures work well because they don't. Like if you're a developer, you still need a publisher. You can incorporate like we were talking about before, but often you have to go find someone. And not all publishers, shocker, have the best intentions in mind for their developers. Some just want money. Um, but the problem is there are some publishers that we thought were pretty good guys, and then it turns out they're not. Uh, case in point, this whole Nicholas controversy that bubbled up recently. That's how you pronounce it? I think so. I always say Nicholas. Yeah, that's kind of how I thought of it. Oh, it's in the college. Well, I don't I, know if it's right or wrong. Given, but, given yeah, their current, know, given their right current state, I don't care what they're called anymore because they're bad people. No, but it really like. Hey, don't throw everyone in the in No, the it's, it's, the it's, it's, well, it's top down. It's, yeah. It's so basically. I mean, it's a lot of the employees that are the ones that are. No, yeah. yeah. When I say they, I should. No, no. The so royal we have the it, it mainly centers around. It's always um, the royal we with you. Yeah. It's always the royal we. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the name we we the royal we came up with this with this episode title. Now, to be fair, I backed off that based on your feedback, and then and then you went and praised Angel because that is sense. a good title. It is a good title. Yeah. So it's this controversy kind of <laughs> stems from an article from Kotaku about Tyrone Rodriguez. He's like the yeah. he's the big boss of yeah Nicholas. I don't know if he's still there. He's I haven't. There. I already no, exchanged. Um, yeah, I thought it was funny because, like, I mean, for a while, like, I mainly started following him on Twitter because he has this relationship with Evan McMillan because they teamed up a lot on the Binding of Isaac Rebirth. Like, after it became a Flash game, they went 16-bit. Like, yeah. Like, all of a sudden, like, he would just became really active on Twitter, and I would follow him just to keep, get updates on that game. And then one day, he just kind of tweeted out this... Random apology. Yeah, this apology, <laughs> like, without any context, and then, obviously, the comment section had the context, and... The context ain't great. Yeah, pretty much, like... The freak, as Jason mentioned, like ghosting, like well, there. That yeah. one, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of stuff. I mean, that's like just one of them. Like he, like um, entered the Gungeon developers. Like he told them he would help them out with the game. He said they would get in contact with them. That he would make the port for I forgot what console, and switch for and he just never got back to them. Like literally, just no contact whatsoever. And they were pretty much like, okay, are we gonna get the port done? Like I mean, time is money, and we need to get do something so they ended up just hiring someone else and like yeah same thing happened to fury that first that uh that boss rush game that came out in january of last year um he lost they lost months of potential sales because tyrone and nick callis were just like hey we'll make your game for you and then just ghosted them yeah. and like that's not like i know that's not even like it's, the, it's, the worst of it well, i was it's, gonna say even in the developer relations, it's unprofessional yeah. yeah but in the developer relations bubble it got worse too because like I mean, McMillan already cut ties with them. Like, Bumble yeah. is not partnered with Nicholas. Like, that's just... But, it, but like, it. never mind the games that they didn't work on. Because you could argue, oh, they just, it wasn't in their business yeah, interest yeah. and they didn't sign a contract. And if they did, like, they never made no, policy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was, was worse it was for just, games yeah. they have already. So, Wonder Boy and, and Save Story. Me, Mr. Taiko, and Cave Story, I guess. Those games, the first two at least, yeah. had patches that needed to come out. The developers made the patches. And then Nicholas Nicholas just never released the patches. So they're literally not just affecting the developer and the quality of their game and how it's, uh, you know, reviewed by yeah, people. Yeah, because they have a lot of properties under their belt. Yeah. Like, 
they kind of make their own games and they also just publish a ton like they got the i mean just look at like their last like the crystal crisis and the other fighting game like yeah i'm still harping on the dlc thing or the patching that drives me crazy because it's not just like oh they're screwing over the developer by not having their game be optimized they're also screwing over the customer who bought the game because there was a patch people identified issues nickel uh the developers like we know here's a fix and nicholas nicholas is just like nah we're good yeah. Which is weird. And then this past week, the developers of uh, It'll Do 2 were caught off guard because Nicalis yanked their game from the eShop without warning, which uh, Nicalis claimed the, uh, the contract expired for them publishing it, and the rights were turned back to the developer. But according to Nicalis, uh, Nintendo, the eShop, they don't allow it to change publishers or listing. I don't know if that's true or not. Let's say it is. But either way, like, why would they not work with the developer before the contract expired yeah like, give hey, them a heads up this exactly. is gonna happen like why would that I you trust you don't waste I mean lose some money like why would I trust the Nicalis explanation of event story a ser- you know uh, the reasoning if they have a history of ghosting and they literally ghost them because they didn't renew the contract yeah like, that would suck yeah and then of course there's also just like, like the interpersonal stuff like yeah. forcing people to well pressuring people like to you know like drink while at work and yeah the employee abuse is, is bad is terrible the the worst of the bunch i think is there's a story that so he took him to japan for a trip or they're going to japan for a trip he's like okay i'll pay for your airfare if you drink this concoction of raw egg soy sauce and beer and here's the thing he runs the company he's yeah. the one that decides who gets their expenses he's the hr paid. department he is the hr department so when he says i'll pay for it when you drink that that's not really like a Ha ha ha! It'll be funny. I'll pay for it out of pocket. He means like the company will pay for it only if you drink that, which is really bad. And like he went let people go to, like the doctor's office during crunch, even if they had like a reason to. Yeah, and, like, a lot of it's... people were just like that was kind of like their first job, yeah. so like they couldn't really, you know, afford to mess up. And it kind of sucks yeah. like to have that kind of experience starting out. I mean, it kind of reminds me of the the sausage party situation where like a lot of like first referring to the movie, <laughs> referring to the movie just before I get the movie ideas. The just like a lot of starting animators that was like the first gig, but because of the whole overtime thing and the way they didn't get paid, and they were apparently like threatened that if they leave, they will get blacklisted. And the animation communities and industry is very small, which yeah would really mess them up. So it it sounds. I mean, it was pretty much a similar situation. Yeah, like, yeah. The thing that sucks about uh, Nicalis is like it hit particularly close to home for Nintendo fans because like they're a huge name on the Nintendo scene. Yeah. Like I feel like spikes and yeah. Cape Story. I mean, I love Cape Story, but I mean that was also like I played that before. It was even associated with Nicalis, and then they got it, got picked it up, and got me like a three D. Pretty much merchandise the heck out of it. Oh yeah, but I mean, like, out of it, yeah. I, I don't even necessarily mean just like in terms of which games they have, but they kind of became at one point like the de facto middleman for indies to get their games on Nintendo platforms. Like Nintendo would work with some, but if you didn't have Nintendo on in like their attention you could go into Callus and have them do it like to the point where in the kotaku piece one of the employees was saying yeah nikalis was one of if not the first outside developer company one of not the first outside developers to receive a switch dev kit because nintendo knew they were kind of the like the the bridge between indies and them and now you hear all these stories about how they're burning indies and it just it just sucks so hopefully something changes i don't know but well i mean the spotlight was on them, so... Yeah, but and, and really, just in general, hopefully this game discovery thing on, across all fronts gets better. Because, like, if you don't have someone like Nic- Nicholas to help you, Nicholas to help you, and you don't have the means to do the race to the bomb, and you don't want to do the free-to-play model, and you... Like, there's so like there's so many games and so little time. You could just and, make a 10 yeah. out of 10 masterpiece. And yeah, yeah, there you go. Just do that, and then wear them out. Yeah. 
But speaking of not 10 out of 10 masterpieces, there's one final piece of this puzzle we were talking about mobile uh, to talk about, which is Mario Kart Tour came out. And, um, oh, this crap. Who boy. Yeah. All the issues that mobile gaming has created, everything we've talked about, race to the bottom, mechanics like gotchas, the in-your-face monetization, it is here in force. Like Mario Kart, it is weird that this is the same Nintendo who three years ago was like, we won't do these things. And now they're like, so doing these things. <laughs> so, but first, like, what, what do you think of the actual gameplay? Like who's, I'd say show of hands, but no one can see us. Who's actually played it so far? I've played it a lot. Okay. You pl- I played it a little. What about you, Kevin? Played like one race. Okay, so I, what I, you guys I, I think must have of? Played at least like three or four hours. So Angel, what do you think gameplay wise? Ignoring the monetization stuff, just pure gameplay. How is it in your opinion? Since you put the most time into it. Once you get used to it, I mean, I started to have fun with it. Like, I enjoy the game out of now. Like, it's pretty much like you, you figure out the controls, and then before you know, it, you're like power drifting and sliding and like busting out maneuvers, and you're like, like, all right, cool. This is cool. This is like yeah. the right amount of. It's. Difficult enough to make it challenging, but also easy enough that it's not super frustrating either. Like, I don't really blame the controls for any races that I lost. It's still, you still get Mario Karted like before. Right. It's just everything else around that that kind of like sucks. sucks. Yeah. I mean, I do think it's. Even like co- the track variety, there's like, after a few cuts, I was like, oh, cool. Like, it was nice seeing this track again. I haven't seen Daisy Hills in like forever. And, and then you do Daisy Hills again in another cup. And then you do Daisy Hills again in another cup, except this time they added, like, a ramp on top of the road. Ooh. Like, I mean, some Spending that some, alteration, some alterations are more interesting than others, but you could tell, like, they put very little effort. Like, you could tell all the effort went into those new stages, which... Aren't I mean, even that great. <laughs> like, aesthetically, sure, like, there's some pretty stuff, but, like, as far as the track, like, they're just really boring. Like, But then again, like, the way the game is designed to play, they kind of... Have to be. Pit, yeah. They, all the they, tracks they, have they to be really wide. Really wide, and you can't even fall off. It's like you have auto steer pretty much the whole time. Yeah. Like you can't really fall off the edge unless you have a mushroom and you intentionally try to fall off. Otherwise, I, it's just gonna put you back on the right. Course. I do think, to your point about how the tracks are, I do think that the tour structure is kind of an interesting, cool idea. The idea that every two weeks they're gonna rotate in different tracks. Now, I wish they weren't as repetitive, but I do like the fact that you know there is a rotation to tracks. It's very much like Splatoon and how it does it's rotations like it's kind of cool i just yeah, wish they the did more like, with the track because it gets kind of repetitive i mean like it's i'll say it's fun yeah but it gets repetitive and it feels like the game thinks it's like the most it's like the the best thing ever that it's like oh man people are gonna be playing this for so much for so long that like oh here's like uh buy this and buy that but it's like i feel like i'm already starting to like yeah i'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting i'm already getting to that point where i'm like all right i'm kind of satisfied with it and i'm probably never gonna touch it again and i think part i'm, of, I'm almost there I'm and almost i think there. part of the idea of the two-week rotation is hopefully you won't get there but the tracks are all kind of same samey and the thing that kind of bothers me is like i get why they did the real world thing but like honestly new donk would have been cooler than new york city i'm just saying like it would have been i i do think though because they're doing the real world stuff those adorable little videos of toads building the tracks in each city are, are great the ones i put on youtube but like i just feel like it's not like i wish they did the mario kart or kgp approach with the tracks they did tracks kind of based on real world places but they're still fantastical That's and i kind of wish they wide, did yeah. that here but but to your point about like there's not enough to keep you going there's a few things in there i do like that they do um there's a ranking system a weekly ranking system which theoretically if you enjoy the tracks enough which is the problem um would keep you engaged because you get in-game currency and stuff depending on how you rank and on top of that while they don't have online yet they do have your friends list double as a leaderboard so you could 
get competitive should you and your friends be all about those same four really wide tracks or whatever but like there's there's like seeds of good ideas and then just a ton of things that are super questionable yeah. that make you wonder why is it like this? like I, I really like the game the individuals are really pretty yeah, it what great. it is yeah. i mean but like i really don't like that it's like i mean this is why it's they have the model that they have but yeah. it's like oh here's um Fine, let's go back to Daisy Hills. Oh, do you have Daisy? Did you happen to get Daisy? Well, if you did, yeah. now every time you get an item, you get three items. And oh, yeah. did, you, did you happen to get this car? Oh, then now you get like double the boost. So if you do happen to have those, which I did, because I only have like Daisy, Peach, and Baby Daisy, um, you pretty much like on my first attempt, like you'll beat it and then you'll get like your five grand stars or whatever. But then I got to the Bowser's Castle and I had nothing like nothing that would give me any kind of boost and even though i still got first place i didn't even like max up an amount of points just because mm-hmm. i didn't have enough multipliers which to is get me across which dumb it's kind of frustrating like i had to redo that race a couple times so that my experience would build up yeah so that i would be able to get a higher multiplier and then i would be, and then i was able to beat it but that just felt like oh both cheap. Yeah, I like the whole gotcha element. Like, I do like the fact that Whack. they brought back character specific items and abilities. That was kind of cool in Double Dash. It it, it's nice how it like the show again. Yeah, and it's nice how it like separates it from other Mario Karts a little. But I wish, yeah, I wish there weren't track specific bonuses like you're talking like about with specific characters because it just like it's so got like the gotcha is so nuts in this. I mean, some of the gotcha rates are as low as zero point three percent. I somehow lucked out. I got Dry Bowser in my first like roll. My initial one when I booted up the game was Toad, who's 1%, so even he's apparently kind of rare. But then I got Dry Bowser, so I'm doing okay in terms of, like, the luck. But, like, ultimately you're limited to either using in-game funds or real money to get the character to max out your meter like you're talking about. And that is straight-up pay-to-win. I don't care how Nintendo wants to sugarcoat it. That is pay-to-win, and they they promised us they weren't going to do that. I was excited when I saw that they had a 200cc option until... And then... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, can we talk about the monetization? Because ultimately, I think my biggest problem is... Actually, before we get to that, question for you, Kevin. Why only one race? Was it the controls? Uh, no, my little sister had it loaded up in her phone. I was like, oh, oh let me try okay. it. Yeah. I, I, because I, I had read into the monetization stuff. I yeah. was like, I'm not even gonna bother touching this. Yeah, we'll we'll get to monetization in a second. Before we even get there, I do want to part of the reason why it's the most downloaded game initially. You got, I got it, like that, it, right? Yeah, Deep twenty point. million downloads. That makes it the fastest single day download, most downloaded game, higher than Pokemon Go, higher than Mario Run, across, across any company. I should say it's not just. It's, Did you say Mario Run? Mario Run. 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 It didn't sound like you said Hunt. Uh. It, it sounded like you said Hunt. Oh yeah, Mar- Mar- Mar is my run. boo. Yeah, right, no, Mar. One thirty three. Okay, we'll, we'll check. We'll check. But um, yeah, like before we even get to that, before you can even care about monetization, you have to figure out how to control the game. And the thing I don't get is, you're right, you can learn it. I learned it eventually. But how is it that a game that's designed to be the entry point into Mario Kart somehow for people who haven't played it? I don't know so they exist. Is the most convoluted backwards way to play Mario Kart. Yeah, like they, what? <laughs> the, the the controls could have been simplified so much more while still having the same amount of depth. Yeah, like instead of just having you always automatically drift, just let you have just have a normal steering. Just left and right will give you the same amount of nice control that Mario Kart gives you. And then have a and drift button. And just have a jump button. Yeah, that lets you drift or like, like normal. Like you and that's it. Do normal gyro controls, yeah, not to like semi assist. Keep the, keep that the they normal have. accelerated. Otherwise, you're gonna have to like kind of like swipe just to kind of turn, and then yeah. it's it kind of annoying. And, and like, like so, you use your other finger to tap because you definitely don't want your items to automatically go. Because why would you want to waste your your shield of a shell? It, like, um, it was bad enough that Nintendo actually had to tweet out, hey, did you know there's control options? Here's how I find them. Like, all their tweets are like, check out this item, check out this character. And then they're like, oh, also controls are over here. So, like, they must know. 
But like how you launch a Mario Kart game with back with like harder controls than regular Mario Kart, how you launch a Mario Kart game with zero multiplayer, they fake out the multiplayer. If you go play it and you're in a race, they have names above every single character in Japanese, in Italian, in in English, in Spanish. None of them are real except you. Yeah, you could you could put your you could lock your phone and then do something for like ten minutes and come back and it'll still be in the same spot. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. And Nintendo has said there's no multiplayer, but they're yeah. giving the appearance there is. So a bunch of people are being duped into thinking they're playing random people the online. There, just, just yeah, gated. they will add yeah. multiplayer and it will be gated. But well, I'd, actually, they're not promising multiplayer be gated. That's an assumption we're making. No, they it, will no, add it multiplayer. Is like, I mean, yeah. I mean, you try to click on it and it says this option is not available. Right no, now. no, no. But I mean, it paywall gated. Oh I no, that. I just meant like yeah. literally. It's not ready yet. But like, how do you launch markers on multiplayer? And then like. There's all sorts of weird other little things. I'm kind of like, what are you doing, Nintendo? Like, so let's say you're playing and you want to adjust your controls because you don't like how it's controlling. So you want to go to settings. So you press settings. The race keeps going. The pause menu doesn't actually pause it. <laughs> like, who is this like baby's first game? Like, how do you not have a pause menu that pauses it? I what don't... is this? Uh, what's the game that doesn't pause? Uh, Dead Space? What is this? Um, uh, zombie U? Uh, zombie Dark Souls. U doesn't yeah, <gasps> I got it, Bowser. Is this a congratulations? And somehow your Google went off about it too. But um, this game is a ten out of ten. Well, that changes everything. But no, it's like uh, shut up, Google. <laughs> but it's just like I don't understand how they made such seemingly obvious choices wrong. Like it does, and then that brings us back to monetization because, like, ultimately, the biggest problem I don't think is even just Mario Kart Tour, but like really all of Nintendo's mobile games at this point. Because like while Nintendo's own devices still have great value in their games for the most part okay maybe link's awakening could be 40 instead of 60 to your guys point earlier but like their mobile outings have slid so far away from the company's own beliefs and what they pre old beliefs and previously what they told us and all that it's like i know we as consumers failed the litmus test with super mario run i get that we didn't buy it in enough droves for 10 bucks to make this happen but it doesn't mean every other me too but it does and actually it got a boost thanks to uh thanks to mario kart it was number two on the most downloaded list because i think people were confused i don't know apparently it made over two hundred thousand more downloads in the day that mario kart came out but how many of those were final sales oh probably zero yeah but yeah but and and I, like i i get not everyone's gonna pay 10 bucks i those are probably zero but that doesn't mean every other nintendo release on mobile has to have the exact same stupid structure of randomized character grants you special things in whatever gameplay scenario we put them into like i don't like, Mario Kart was never about that. It didn't have to be about that. They could have charged for cosmetic things. That works for Fortnite. They could have charged for different carts that you pay with different stats, but, you know, they're balanced so it's all equal. They chose not to. You could buy track packs, maybe. They could have done anything, and yet they did the gotcha. Like, weirdly enough... Yeah, this legit sucks. Like, <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. They dropped the ball so hard with this game, it's, and it's such an easy win. I know. It doesn't make sense. Like, it has the most downloads, but that means nothing if everyone's uninstalling it or not understanding controls or not paying. Like, weirdly enough, the $5 per month gold pass they snuck into the final release actually gives me hope compared to the other stuff. Because on the surface, it seems pretty lame. You pay to get some extra items. You get access to 200cc speed. That's That should not be a pay thing. And it's a recurring payment at that, which is weird. And it's all for the same price as, what, 70 games on the a Apple Arcade costs? Like, it doesn't make sense. The Apple Arcade, I sound old. But my point is, like, it's not a good value, it seems. But I was thinking about it. And, you know, if Nintendo were to just slowly migrate a lot of their mobile games' paid aspects behind a single subscription, I'd kind of be on board with it if it means they take out some of the gotcha stuff. 
Like, phase out the gotchas, offer new modes exclusive to subscribers, maybe even paywall Mario Kart's proper multiplayer behind this gold pass thing. And then for, like, five bucks a month, if you have it across all their mobile games and all of them Oof. don't have stupid gotcha, it's a better so, value. So you're, you're saying, you're saying a $5 subscription pass across... Nintendo's mobile Nintendo. games. I'd be I'd be fine with that. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, across our game. No, across them. The thing is oh. that they have too many mobile games now to, like, finally integrate that, like... Uh, yeah, they have to retroactively and, do it somehow, which is impossible. Gonna, that's not going to happen. No, it's a pipe dream. And you know how I know it's a pipe dream? Because Sony, the same week as Mario Kart, released a Lemmings game for iOS, which has a $6 subscription that does the same nothingness as the $5 Mario Kart one. So if Sony thinks they can get with 6 bucks and Nintendo's getting away with 5 bucks, there's no way they're doing it across games. But if they were to do that across games, I think that would be a much better approach than the stupid gotcha stuff. And it kind of is like being in the middle with how Mar- what they want Mario want- run to achieve but couldn't. So I, I don't know. I think I think what frustrates me most about the gotchas in general is that it just feels very much like Nintendo has decided here's our monetization strategy first, and it's one we're going to see in every game we ever do, and then we'll figure out the gameplay around it second, which is backwards from anything Nintendo has ever described their process as being. Like, it feels like such a money grab. I mean, with Mario Kart, it's like, how would you? How would racing make sense with Gotcha? With Dr. Mario last month, it was, how does a puzzle game make sense with Gotcha? And, you know, before that, Animal Crossing, Dragalia, Fire Emblem. Like, it's all the same thing. And I guess, I guess, like, un, like we should have seen it coming, because their current Nintendo, uh, the current president of Nintendo, Shintaro Furukawa, he said he doesn't want mobile games to just be a marketing tool. He wants to make them a billion-dollar pillar in the same way their other stuff is. So... We really should have seen this coming. Like, he straight up told us this is going to happen. And and to be fair, like, in some cases, Gotcha kind of works. Fire Emblem was fine. Like, Animal Crossing, it's for items and stuff. It, it almost makes sense. But I feel like the further they go into non-traditional genres with this stuff, the more shoehorned it becomes, and the more that, like, a gold pass across our games just feels like the only right answer at this point. I don't know. Because, like, frankly, in Tor's current form, like, two questions I kept asking myself when playing it were, one why am I playing this instead of a normal Mario Kart? And two, would I even be playing this if it didn't have the Mario Kart name on it? And I don't think I would be. Like, with Dr. Mario World a couple months back, I at least found the core puzzle mechanics enjoyable enough. They're different from Dr. Mario, but they had their own appeal. I definitely would um, not be touching this, to tell you that. Yeah, but with Tor, it's just like, this is just not... Like, it, it can be fun and whatnot once you get past the hurdles, but... I wouldn't say it's accessible in the way that, like, Dr. Mario was. It doesn't really achieve what Nintendo's other goal is, and it's not very fun. Like, it, it's just, I don't know. The, the monetization just hits so hard and so frequent. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's, it's ironic because, like, between the two games, Tour is the one that's having the runaway download success. Dr. Mario World actually had the weakest opening of any Nintendo mobile release thus far. We're talking to the tune of, like, 1.4 million bucks made in its first month versus Animal oh, Crossing. No. No, well, well no, listen to the difference here. Animal Crossing made no, 13 no, I, million. I, I, know. I, know, I know. Yeah, Animal Crossing made 13 million. Dragalia made 26 million. Mario Run at the $10 price made 30 million in its Wait, first Dragalia month. lost? Yeah, is at 26 million in its first month. Fire Emblem, 67, nearly 68 million in its first month. So, like, by those standards, Dr. Mario kind of failed. But it's the much better oh, implementation yeah, yeah. of this than Mario Kart Tour. So, I don't know. And, and, and the thing is, like, yeah, I don't know. It's just. Like, I don't see how this is going to do well long. Like, obviously, it had the biggest opening. Mario Kart's the single biggest selling game on Switch, on Wii U, on 3DS. Like, it's a powerhouse. One you don't really think about, but it's a powerhouse. And I just can't see in its current form the long tail of this working out for Nintendo. I can't, because how much did you say Fire Emblem made? 67 million. 
67 million for Fire Emblem. For Fire Emblem. In the first month. Yeah, but that's all the reboot who love those sorts of games. Yeah, but how, but how many more people like Mario Kart? Well, right, but I'm saying, like, if the if the control hurdles are there and if the monetization's at more, like, out of place feeling, are they going to stick around? I've seen a ton of people being like, I can't handle the controls. No, it, it's You're already dropping out and you get the controls. No, yeah, but. No, he just I've, got Bowser. He's not dropping out. Well, he was dropping out until he got Bowser. Yeah, and but, that's how they hook you. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, like, we know better, but, like, Already in the past week, just like from working at like a couple of high schools and middle schools, kids love it. And even elementary school, yeah, no, they love it. Like, I, hmm. like they're like, "Oh, are you gonna play Mario Kart?" And I'm like, "Like, oh, not really. It's not that great." They're like, "What? No, I love this game." Like, high schoolers are, are eating it up. For some yeah, my, my sister. I've never seen my sister play a video game. She downloaded it. Yeah, they they just love they love it. Yeah, I guess they, I, don't know. I guess maybe for Nintendo they'll luck out. Maybe this will. Well, we do see well. it because like I don't know. You it's because we know what it should we, be. We've been around the block already with <laughs> yeah monetization these kind of things, and they're just like, hey, it's a you Mario Kart on my phone. You know what's scary about that thought? That kid's like, oh yeah, this is how it is. There's gonna be a period, of, a point in time. I don't know when. There's gonna be an inflection point where paying for games, not paying in games, is gonna be weird, and people will not understand why would you pay for a game up front. And all games are going to start going free-to-play or through a subscription like Apple Arcade or something like that. Because there's no reason. If you're a kid growing up with all these free games on your iPad, why would you be like, yeah, I'll pay $60 for that when you can get, like, a Mario Kart on your phone for free? Yeah, if you grew up with that mentality, it would be it's... like, wait, 60 bucks for yeah. Link? The yeah. Awakening? Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, you guys... Which I think is ridiculous. <laughs> Nintendo... You need to cut that crap out. Yeah, like, we as seasoned <laughs> gamers are... Stop. Yeah. <laughs> bad Nintendo. Bad. I think we're just scolding them for the last 10 minutes, but... um, No, no like, it's well-deserved. Yeah. Mario Kart Tour? Yeah, but I'm just saying, crap. like, just think about the fact that, like, kids are eating this up, apparently. What does yeah. that mean for the next generation? Like, at what point is, phys- is like, actual maybe full they games what, a they, thing? I mean, it seems like maybe they did full well know what they were doing. They know what they're they figured, doing. They figured, like, hey, world, a world. lot of the core main or maybe older people won't like this, but... The majority, I mean, like, the kids don't number us, so... I hate to say it, but we I, we have officially become the old man that yells at clouds. I mean, you just look at Emoji Movie, like, everyone clearly knew it was a bad movie and hated it and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I saw it on it, Netflix, and it was terrible. <laughs> Didn't it bomb still? No, it made a ton of money. No, I thought it bombed. It bombed. Didn't yeah, it? it bombed. I, I thought it, it got bombed. a sequel and everything. No. No, it, it is no. getting a sequel. Wait, what? I think it is. No. Yeah. Now I'm saying no, not because it's not, because I don't I, want it like, to. Like, it bombs in relation to, like, every other... Oh, no, it did okay. Like, like, it made its money. Like, I know, like, it didn't beat out, like... I think, I think at this point, all we can hope for is that Nintendo I mean, it was profitable. Like, it did its job. So, look... I mean, four times it's, it's, uh... Budget? It's budget. Oh, God, that's not bomb. So, I think, um, I think... Bomb means you lose money. I know, yeah. I think, uh... Perhaps that means there's a two-prong approach. Perhaps Dude, like, in elementary school, like, emojis are so, like, every other kid has a backpack of, like... Yeah, no, I get it, I get it. So, I'm thinking, okay... For now, Nintendo could ride out two prongs. They can do the stupid gotcha stuff on mobile and whatever, and then they can have their more traditional stuff on the regular console. But at some point, one prong is going to overtake the other, and when that happens, <sighs> hopefully I'm days. dead by then. Yeah, hopefully we're dead by then. That's all I gotta say. But speaking of getting full games up front, let's give away some games, shall we? We we have our uh, two copies of Truck Racing Championship. To give away which how do i how would weapons. i acquire a copy so of? <laughs> I, I, i'm glad you asked kevin let me tell you because guess who's entering that, that competition 
Your boy. Yeah. Uh, so for the record, you are affiliated with the podcast. I don't know if you can win, but we'll check the legal after. Check with legal. But I didn't sign a no contract. <laughs> what is this? Yo, no. I know. It's not like we're paying you. We only gave you Wolfenstein for free. Uh, but, um, oh, that was going to hold that over No, me. of course you heard not. That? Of course not. He actually, <laughs> in, in reality, I most of the games we get, which are few and far between, but we appreciate when we do, usually go not either to Angel or to you, I would guess, just in terms of like one time. Like two. You got like 12. What are you talking about? We'll go over the list later. Anyway, point is, if you, the listener, want some free games, um, what we're going to do... keep all the good ones. Is we'll the trash oh, yeah, ones. of course. Yeah. That's not entirely true, but it's partly true. Wolfenstein runs like crap. I'll give it to him. <laughs> so I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> you told me that after you played it. Uh, but no, <laughs> if you want to enter to win Truck Racing Championship, which you can rewind if you haven't heard the impressions, uh, we're going to keep it simple. We're going to tweet out later this week, and then you retweet the tweet and follow us. We? That's it. We as random Nintendo as an entity. <laughs> yes. Keep saying that. You keep saying well, that entity stuff. So, the so royal I have a question. When you, when you are at work, at your job, do you refer to your company as like this other third person or do you say we because you're yeah. part of the organization? No, I refer to a third person because I'm proper. Eat it. Wow, that's not the answer I expected. I was hoping it'd go my way. Uh, okay, so yeah, go to our Twitter at Random Nintendo sometime this week. Keep an eye out. We will... I will. It will be tweeted. <laughs> it will be tweeted, and they just follow and retweet, and that's your chance to win. It's also a good yeah, way to yeah, stay that, in that tune. Sound like, that sounds what? right. Like, it will be tweeted by random Nintendo. Yeah. Well, okay, but, but random Nintendo is comprised of multiple people. But who people has read. access to the Twitter account? He does, too. When's the last time you tweeted from that's that account? That's different. That's a different question. No, no, that's a different no, question. No, no, no. Wait, do I have access? You do. Oh. You do. When was the last you time you tweeted that you tweeted from that account? He never does, but he can <laughs> if he wishes. I hear giggling in the background. Anyway, the point is, go to our Twitter this week and you can enter a win. Um, And it's also good to follow us because you will make sure you don't miss our next episode, which comes on October 13th. And uh, we're going to sell something once and for all in that episode. There's been a lot of talk about Super Mario World and whether it's truly the best Mario game. It's not. It is. And we're going to hash it out. This conversation, but like an hour of it. So tune in October 13th for that. Uh, the answer is yes, it is. Um, Angel will have a chance to explain why he thinks it's no, and then we'll have a chance to tell my his opinion's wrong, so it'll be good. Uh, but along with that, we'll, of course, have the latest news and game impressions and what have you, so make sure you don't miss that again. We're on Twitter, but you can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, soon Pandora, I'm hoping. I, I applied to it for us. Um, tune in and some others. So, yeah, there's... Oh, and YouTube. We're at RandomNintendo.com on YouTube. So yeah, that pretty much does it. Um, as always, is there anything else from anyone, or should I give Kevin the final word? I'm good. Kevin, uh, you keep doing this. Like <laughs> that's like just... seven words. That's too many. Too many words. Just end the podcast. <laughs> okay. 